Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Thursday, February 23rd, 2017, here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me, as always, the co-host, Ryan Martin-Round. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? I'm doing pretty good myself, and right now we have a special guest joining us. Uh, right now is independent professional wrestler and a member of the OI4K faction, the one and only Dave Chris. Dave, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm doing quite well today. It's been a very beautiful day here in Ohio, so uh, it's been a good day. Yeah, man. Uh, again, like it's great to get you to get the chance to talk to you and have you on for our show. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, you are currently involved in a lot of things going on in pro wrestling at the moment. Um, you know, let's start off by first talking about the OI4K faction. And for those who are unfamiliar, that is the name of your tag team. It stands for Ohio is for Killers. And in this group, you have your brother Jake as well as uh, one of the more popular independent wrestlers right now going on in uh, Sammy Callahan. Um, uh, tell me how that all got started because we don't really know the true story of how this whole group got started. And what's it like working alongside with your brother as well as uh, Sammy Callahan? Uh, well, basically... Um one uh, one night and I'm going to say probably 2009 or 2010, I was sitting on my couch with my girlfriend and we were watching, uh, I, I think we were watching a Freddy Krueger movie and, you know, I realized that uh, Freddy Krueger was based out of Ohio and I was like, oh, that's awesome, like a, a serial killer based out of Ohio. That's not uncommon because, you know, uh, Ohio has a a large concentration of serial killers like uh, Charles Manson and, and a few other ones, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, you know, like that's, that's kind of like strange. And I was like, yeah, like it's like Ohio is for killers. And uh, she goes, it's kind of like the Hawthorne Heights song. And I was like, yeah, it's real funny because they're from Ohio too. Like mm-hmm. actually, I, I grew up with those dudes. I used to skate with those dudes back in the day. So I was like, yeah, uh, Ohio is for killers. And she goes, that's kind of cool. Like, can you imagine how dope, like, the state of Ohio would look as a skull? And I was like, yeah, that would be sick. And then uh, it just kind of hit me. I was like, well, why don't we just do that? Like, I, I we should make this a thing in wrestling. Ohio is for killers. Like, we're not going to kill anyone, but we're going to get in the ring and just kill them. <laughs> yeah. So I got a hold of my brother, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he goes, dude, that's sick. I was like, okay, cool. Then I got a hold of Sammy. I was like, Sammy, what do you think about this? He goes, dude, brother, that's sick. Mm. I was like, okay, let's do this. So uh, myself, my brother, Sammy Callahan, and my sister-in-law, Nevea, all kind of just adopted ourselves as the Ohio Wizards for Killers. And uh, that's pretty much how we got started mm. as far as Ohio is for Killers. And, uh, you know, tagging with my brother, like, it's we, we're going on 15 years now. And we've tagged with each other way more than we've done anything singles-wise. So, like, I think, uh, 
I think tagging with my brother's always been a staple uh, in wrestling for me. Mm. So, you know, that's always been a, a really cool thing because, like, you know, we just have this way of communicating uh, with one another with just using eye, eye contact. Like, you know, I, I'll look at him or he'll look at me and I'll know what he's thinking and he'll know what I'm thinking. And it's just a very cool thing because, like, we're just always on the same page. And to be able to, you know, be able to travel the roads and, and you know, not just travel the roads, but, you know, travel the airways with uh, with Sammy Callahan, a guy that we've been friends with for 13 years in the business now. Like, when he first broke in, uh, my brother and I took him under our wing and kind of just started, you know, taking him on the road with us and helped him out in the ring a little bit. And we, we kind of didn't talk to each other for a few years, and then uh, we picked things right back up because, I mean, we all know how that is. Sometimes you have those friends where, like, you don't see them for a little bit and you kind of forget what they're doing, and then you find out, like, you know, you guys are just – you guys are all the way across the board doing really well because we were doing stuff with Ring of Honor at that point in time, and he had moved to New Jersey. So, like, we – our career paths kind of went to, you know, different ways, but then uh, all of a sudden things just kind of crammed back together, and, you know, he's always been like a little brother to us. So it's just the whole Ohio is for killers faction. It's just one big family. Like, you know, those two dudes are my brother and my family. Like I I look at Sammy as more of like family to me than I do my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Nah, I I, I totally get it. Yeah. That's very, very interesting stuff right there. Uh, Hey Dave, this is Ryan, the co-host of the Royal Ramble podcast. Uh, Once again, thanks again for coming on. It's really cool to get a chance to uh, talk to you. Uh, You recently worked for PWG over the weekend, right? Making your uh, debut, teaming with your brother and Sammy Callahan. You guys uh, did make our debut, yes. Yeah, you guys competed against Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, and you know uh, it's no secret that PWG gets a lot of hype, especially from you know wrestling fans. And I've heard so many great things about how awesome uh, the atmosphere is over there in that small little building in Reseda. Um, I hope to get there myself one day because that's definitely on the bucket list. But uh, I want to know what your experience was like working there, and also what was it like working against uh, arguably three of the best acts in pro wrestling today in Adam Cole and uh, the Young Bucks. Well, man. Uh... The, the feeling being in Reseda was crazy. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of wrestlers will tell you that you know Reseda is the mecca of, for professional wrestling right now. And like when you first get there, you, you don't really understand it. You don't really understand how special it is. Mm-hmm. But from the minute they open the doors to the minute the people leave, they're just electric. It just—it's so hard to describe the the emotion, the raw emotion that the wrestling fans show. Not not the not the boys, the fans themselves. They, I think, they are what makes Reseda so special. It's mm-hmm. that that building, the fans, uh, just the—I don't know. It just—I don't know how to how to describe it other than just wow. It's just such a crazy like environment because you know they're they're so close to the ring they're they're so close to you know they're they're just right there in your face and they're so appreciative of everything it just seemed like they were just so into everything yeah that like it was just such an amazing thing to uh to behold and to be in the ring with arguably three of the best talents going today and you know i'm gonna say you know five 
I, I'm going to say my brother Sammy are up there amongst, mm. you know, some of the For best sure. in the industry today as well. So to be in there with five of the best and, and to make something special in Reseda uh, was just something that was just off the charts for me. Uh, Adam Cole and the Bucks are just so phenomenal with everything that they do. And they're just so crisp and clean. But I think, like, their crisp and their cleanness with my brother and I and Sammy's, like, uh, I'm not going to say grungy, but, like, you know, they're they're kind of more of, like, the polished preppy kids, and we're more of, like, the punk rock drunk yeah. kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, we're, we're the ugly kids, and they're the pretty boys. So, like, <laughs> I felt like our ugliness and their prettiness just meshed really well together. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait to act, uh, buy the DVD for that show because it looked like an awesome, awesome match. I have no doubts it was. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you this. The uh, the off-the-shoulders cutter, the, the electric chair cutter that I gave, Oh, Amazing. I saw a picture yeah, of there's that. There's a reason why people are calling me the human gift machine. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, we're talking to Indie Wrestling with Dave Chris. You can follow him on both Twitter and on Instagram at the Dave Christ. Uh, Dave, when did you start? Uh, when did you decide you wanted to become a professional wrestler? I mean, when did you start watching wrestling? What wrestling companies did you watch? I presume WWE, but was there any other wrestling company that you got into, like an ECW or WCW? Uh, and uh, you know, who was your biggest inspiration growing up as a kid? You know, was there any wrestler that you watched that you said, "Man, I want to be like him. I want to be involved in this business because this guy's awesome." So, were there any inspirations? Who are some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? Really, how did you begin? Pro wrestling. Well, uh, when my brother and I, like I was five, my brother would have been about three and a half, four years old. Uh, my father introduced us to wrestling, and we would watch uh, wrestling on Saturday mornings. They had like a Saturday morning wrap-up show on USA, like the WWF did at that point in time. I don't know if you guys are, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 34 years old. So I don't know if you guys were around at, at that point in time watching wrestling. But uh, they used to have this WWE wrap-up show, and it was, like, before they had, like, Raw and all that kind of stuff. So we would watch that, and we would just watch, like, uh, you know, the, the Saturday night main events and uh, things of that nature. And we would we started falling in love with wrestling at that point in time. So every weekend when my father picked us up, my parents divorced when I was uh, when I was five. Uh, my father would pick us up, and he would allow us to get one movie and one wrestling show uh, from our video store. Uh, we used to go to this place called Max's Videos, mm-hmm. and they used to have all the the newest, uh, you know, in your houses. And they would have like uh, the Coliseum videos, and they would even have a couple NWA videos. That was kind of crazy, but we were never really into NWA uh, when we were growing up because I thought. Growing up, I thought NWA was kind of boring, mm-hmm. and it's because I was a little kid. You know, it didn't have the pageantry that uh, WWE had or WWF had at that point in time. Because at that point in time, you had guys like Shawn Michaels, which was someone that we watched a lot. Was mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels and the Rockers, and uh, Hulk Hogan obviously was a big influence growing up, uh, being younger. It was all about like uh, getting in, uh, getting in our room, and then uh, giving that big boot leg drop or dropping the elbow off the uh, off the dresser, trying to be Macho Man. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when when Flair, I remember seeing Flair early on in, in my my childhood in NWA 
I was like, oh, you know, he's, he's okay. But then when he jumped ship and went to uh, WWF, I was like, oh, man, this dude's awesome. Yeah. Like, this guy is awesome. I love this dude. So it went from me thinking that Flair was kind of boring growing up to uh, idolizing Flair. So I, as we got older, we got into ECW, and ECW was my brother and I's goal. Like, mm. we were watching FMW at that point in time. We were watching ECW. We were watching a lot of Japanese tapes because we were tape traders. Growing mm. up, that's how we got our wrestling tapes, with trading, or trading tapes. Mm-hmm. So we would we would dub. We had two VCRs in our room, and we would dub uh, tapes, and then we would trade it off to you know other guys in, on the East Coast or guys that were uh, you know whoever had you know, the, the stuff. If we would get stuff from RS Video or you know, something like that, we were just always trying to like uh, pick up the newest stuff that we could possibly get for ECW. Because growing up in Dayton, Ohio, ECW used to come around Dayton, Ohio all the time. So uh, what what we would do is uh, we would get different tapes from the live events. And we would go to the live events, get different tapes. Or uh, there was a, a public access channel called uh, DATV, that, uh, a, a wrestling promoter that also worked as a security guard for ECW. His name was Big Daddy Roger Cox. Mm-hmm. He used to put all the hardcore TVs on DATV. Mm-hmm. So you would be able to watch wrestling Mondays. And what we would do is we would tape uh, Raw and SmackDown. We would, we would if we were, not SmackDown, I'm sorry, uh, Raw or uh, Nitro. So if we watched Nitro Live, we taped uh, Raw, watched Raw on Tuesday. On Wednesdays, they used to play... Uh, ECW on uh, DATV and then they would do another one on Friday and another one on Saturday and Sunday so it mm-hmm. would be like different episodes of hardcore TV but growing up you know once we got into our teenage years uh, I would say probably starting at the age of 11 11 to um, all the way till they closed the door ECW was what we wanted to do because they, they, they had the music that I was listening to they they had the hot girls. They had like mm. uh, that that grittiness and that edge about them that we just really really like gravitated towards. Because when we were growing up, we were always the outsider kids. You know what mm. I mean? Like I I started going to punk rock shows when I was eleven years old. So uh, we were very much those like dirty grungy kids that. Uh, that people made fun of, even though like we are probably cleaner than the preppy kids, but that's neither here nor there. But we were just so much into ECW that guys like Rob Van Dam, Sabu, Taz, uh, just so many more uh, guys in ECW, Tommy Dreamer, uh, they ended up being our favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like it, it changed from being, we changed from being solely, you know, WWF kids, to being WWF slash like WCW to just being like holy shit, yeah. ECW <laughs> is where it's at. Yeah. Like, ECW is that's what we want to do. And then you know seeing ECW like doing different stuff, like introducing us to different uh, foreign wrestlers was also very cool. And, and through there, you know, you start looking up guys like Hayabusa and 
you know, uh, other dudes that come into ECW, you start looking up other stuff, and then you start finding out about All Japan and New Japan and, and Torimon and things like that, that it was like, holy crap, like, this is awesome, like, mm. but, like this is this is sick, like, yeah, let's let's start trading off for this stuff. So then we started trading off for a lot of FNW stuff, and that led on to uh, my brother and I getting into, like, Noah and All Japan and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. stuff from uh, Stan Hansen and, and uh, Kenta Kabashi, like, mm-hmm. still probably one of my, my favorite views of all time. Or, or just seeing a lot of uh, Kenta, you know, growing up in wrestling, watching, not really growing up, but, like, once we got older, still watched a lot of Japanese wrestling. And, uh, you know, Kenta became one of my favorite wrestlers as well. So I would say for me, it was like uh, Sabu, Taz, uh, I'm trying to think, like uh, Shawn Michaels was another guy, Eddie mm-hmm. Guerrero, Chris yeah. Benoit, Dean Malenko. You know, those dudes were dudes that I wanted to be like. And those were dudes that were around my height. So, like, I really just kind of looked up to them and I was like, you know, that's what I want to model my career after. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not throwing suplexes on anyone because I don't feel like that's my <laughs> style. So obviously yeah. I didn't model myself after Taz too much. But yeah, like, you know, the other day when I was sitting on an airplane with, with Sammy, he's like, uh, we were looking at each other and we were looking at some gifts that were being posted on me. I think he said, man, you're the human gift machine. I was like, that's, new, <laughs> that's my new moniker right there, the human gift machine. I like that's it, man. It. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's for my sure. homage to, to Taz right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you call yourself the human gift machine. So I got to ask you, Dave, and I think you know where I'm going with this. It's all over the internet. Probably one of the most craziest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know what I'm about to say, you can check it out on his Twitter account. The video is there. How, Dave, did you manage to run or climb? I don't even know how to describe it on the wall and turn it into an epic cutter the way you did. I mean, that was just unbelievable. Did you practice this beforehand or what? I'm dying to know how you Not at all. Move. Not at all. Like, so it was a one-time deal, one-time shot? It was a, it was a one-time shot. Uh, oh. I, I was a sponsored inline skater growing up. Oh, okay. So, like, uh, at one point in time, like, uh, I used to get paid to skate. So, like, <laughs> that was, like, stuff that I used to do on a regular basis. Uh, one thing that I that I like to think uh, that makes my brother and I so unique is uh, we are environmental wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, whatever is in that building, if there's anything in that building that we could like run off of, jump off of, do something crazy off of, we we go into that building looking at stuff like, oh man, like we could do this, we could do that, that's sick. We could do our double team off of this, that would be sick, or maybe we jump off of this. Like, I'm not going to say we're stunt dudes, but we are definitely, we use the environment that's around us in order to, um, to enhance our offense. And, you know, sometimes it enhances our defense as well. So when I saw that, I was like, man, I bet you any amount of money I could wall plant and turn that into a backflip. Because I used to do that in skating all the time. That was something that was super easy for me. And then David Starr's like, no, nah, man, that needs to be the Magdalene. You need to hit the Magdalene off of that. I was like, because that's what I call my cutters, the Magdalene. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, that'd be easy. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. That's and awesome. And then I just did it. 
That is crazy. The venue looked pretty cool, too. I've never seen a venue like that where, like, basically the ropes, they went into the wall, it looked like, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, the, the it was, like, butted up. I think it was, like, maybe three or four inches. Uh, the ring was three or four inches away from the wall, which would have made the the uh, actual ropes probably about a foot, foot and a half away from the wall. So mm-hmm. I had to jump from the middle rope to the top rope and then run uh, off the wall. But coming back in, I was a foot and a half deep. So <laughs> then I had to come back in and get myself a big thrust. But uh, Beyond has some of the most epic venues I've ever wrestled for. They're just... They're just so great. I don't know, like, I think it's one of the things that makes Beyond Wrestling so unique and so amazing of a place to work as well. You know, it's, I think Beyond's a lot like Reseda. Like, Hmm. it's, they have great venues. uh, The fans are great, you know, and they're very educated. I think that's one of the greatest things. uh, Like, coming into a new place like Reseda, I, I was like, okay, well, it's very doubtful that, you know, these people are going to know who I am. So, you know, we're we're going to have to come in here and we're going to have to work pretty hard for these people to know who we are. And then, you know, a couple of the guys were like, oh, no, trust me, they know who you are. Oh, trust me. Like, <laughs> you guys will be well-respected here. But yeah. I didn't think that, you know, coming in, like, I'm a small, I'm a small-town boy from Ohio. Like, I, I'm still under the impression, like, I understand that, the internet makes the world such a small place now, right. but it's still hard for me to to believe and fathom that like somebody out in California would give a damn about an Ohio boy like me. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, no, I got to know exactly what you're talking about. But I think, like you said, from that gift right there, and of course, you know, along with the other ones, I mean, you definitely earn the respect of a lot of people, so... Well, I definitely appreciate that. And I'm sure there will be many more gifts to come. Like, okay, make sure that those gifts keep coming. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. I mean, hey, they don't just call you that for nothing, so you can never stop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, is there anybody that you want to face that you have yet to face? Because, you know, there's so many talented wrestlers in the world today from a lot of wrestling companies. So any specific wrestler or wrestlers, let's say, like, you want to have another tag team match with your brother against a specific tag team or by yourself as a singles competitor – is there any one, or you can name a couple, any specific wrestler that you do want to face that you've yet to face yet? Oh, man. Uh, Sin Baller. I would love to wrestle yeah. him. Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura would be super awesome to wrestle. Um, man, there are so many. Like, I, I just wrestled Phoenix, but somebody who I re- like, I want to, I want my brother brother and I to to wrestle Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix in a tag match. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just think that that would be super sick. Like, I think that it would be a lot of fun to do. Uh, it, like, I, I've had my my opportunity to be in the ring uh, growing up uh, in, in Ohio and in HWA. A lot of guys would come in and uh, we, we were lucky enough to be able to learn from and get in the ring with a lot of guys that uh, that uh, we learned from and, and just had matches with mm-hmm. so uh, to pick guys uh, that are currently out there today is always kind of hard um, I think uh, another guy that I'd really like to wrestle is Kenta I never got to wrestle Kenta yeah. and I would mm-hmm. love to wrestle Kenta I think that would be really fun um, and I, I, like Kenny Omega I would love to wrestle mm-hmm. Kenny Omega yeah. like, I think 
I think uh, one one five man tag team match I would like to do, or five man tag that I would like to do is my brother Sammy, me, Zachary Wentz, Desmond Xavier mm-hmm. versus the Bullet Club. Wow, yes. that 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 would be a dream match, like, in my man. That would be pretty cool at, at PWG, right? Oh yeah, of course at PWG. That would be sick. <laughs> like, can, like think about it. Like Kenny Omega, you have. Uh, you have uh, you could put Rhodes in there. You could put Cole in there. You put mm-hmm. the Bucks in there. Like, holy shit, that would be amazing. Uh, I would just be like, uh, it would be like, I don't think people would know how to feel. I think people <laughs> would probably go home and just say, okay. That's the best I'm going to see. I think I'm going to end my life now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm right up there with that. If I saw the match was announced, man, I would be completely shocked. And I would be, I would just have to be uh, a loss for words. Like, wow, how did they pull this off? Well, like, you know, I don't think there's anyone. Like, Sammy Callahan, my brother and I, we, we say this all the time. Like, we feel like we are the best three-man group in wrestling because we are all three always on the same page. We yeah. know what we're thinking. We know how we're thinking it. And I don't think anyone has the same like mental capacity for, uh, I'm not going to say destruction, but for just like controlled chaos and yeah. destruction like we do. Mm-hmm. Cause like, if you look at our matches, it's a lot of controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Like we are bringing a whole new style to, to wrestling. And, you know, uh, anytime that you see that we're in a six-man tag, you know it's going to be OI4K rules, which is just no tags, balls to the wall. Mm. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Unpredictable. Yeah, that's, that's it, pretty cool, just, man. It's just like JML. Nobody knows what it is. It's just it's provocative. It gets people going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, last thing here. Uh, can you tell us offhand some of the shows you're booked on in the next coming weeks and months? Uh, we, we heard about you and your brother going back to PWG in March to take on uh, Matt Riddle and, uh, J- and Jeff Cobb. Um, also some shows that are going down uh, in Florida, we've heard. So let everyone know where they can see you in action next. I know you've been active on Twitter about some of your shows, but what are some of the shows that are coming up that you're going to be booked on? Well, what – What's really crazy is uh, I'm booked so much and people just don't know it. Every mm-hmm. single Wednesday, I'll be at Rockstar Pro Wrestling here in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Thursday, I'll be in Jeffersonville, Indiana for IWA Mid-South, which is where I'm on my way to right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Tonight, it is uh, myself, John Wayne Murdoch, versus uh, Aaron Williams and my brother. Oh, wow. Uh, in a tag match. Uh this weekend, I am also uh, at IWA Mid South Wrestling. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch for their heavyweight cha- or for their heavyweight title, mm. so uh, or for their world title. I'm sorry. And uh, like next week, we have AAW in Chicago, but that's like uh, I believe in LaSalle, Illinois, if I mm-hmm. if I believe correctly. So I- I'm consistently all over the place. Like I would have to sit down and give you my my rundown as far as WrestleMania goes. A WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Thursday, we will be down at uh, WWA4 for uh, AR Fox's Fed. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, we got um, we got Rockstar on that Wednesday. WWA4 uh, that Thursday. We have the day off of uh, wrestling on that um, that uh, that Friday, and then Saturday uh, we got pancakes and power drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Pro Wrestling Revolver against uh, 
Angelico and uh, Jack Evans. Wow. Then later on that afternoon, I'm winning Best of the Best. Yeah. yeah you heard it here first. I'm yes. walking out Best of the Best this year as the, as the Best of the Best champion. No ifs, right. or buts. All right, man. Congratulations about that. <laughs> uh, thank you. And then uh, that later that night, uh, around midnight, we have uh, I have Beyond Wrestling uh, mm-hmm. for Beyond, which will be super awesome. Like Beyond, something that we that we we just recently got ourselves into, but right. just being there is just such a special place. So I'm very honored to be able to uh, make that a place that we can call one of our homes. And then. The Sunday we have, or I have FIP, and then off Monday, then Tuesday, I have another show down in uh, Fort Myers. Wow! Wow, you're so, very, very busy man. Very busy schedule. Pretty, pretty busy that weekend. Yeah, pretty <laughs> hectic, but that's the life of a pro wrestler. I yeah, guess. We're, we're gonna exactly. try to get, we're gonna try exactly. and get down there, uh, Dave, to wrestle Revolver. I'm gonna be in Florida almost that entire week. I'm gonna try to get to as much shows as I can, but most certainly that Saturday for Pancakes and Pile Drivers, I should be there. I really want to see you and your brother against uh, Angelico and Jack Evans. That that is a awesome match to see. Yeah, well, that's gonna be sick. But I will tell you this: if you're gonna get down there, make sure you get down there early because. They are only going to have so many pancakes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a pancake guy, so I keep saying, "Oh, are they really going to have pancakes?" Yes, there will be pancakes. A hundred percent, there will be pancakes. You get us some pancakes. You save me some, and me and you have pancakes together. Oh man, that's that's a, that's a good deal, man. I try to get down there as a, if that's I can. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was independent professional wrestler Dave Christ. Again, you can follow his journey throughout the land of pro wrestling on Twitter and Instagram at the Dave Christ. Again, if you're in the Orlando area, WrestleMania weekend, like you just said, you could catch him in action there. I'll be there as well. I know, Brian, you just mentioned you will too. So hope to see you there in action, Dave. Again, thank you for joining us. Best of luck wherever this crazy journey takes you, and uh, we'll be rooting for you, man. Definitely, man. Thank you guys for having me. It was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, Thanks so, for coming thanks, on. Dave, Appreciate have, it. Have, have a good one. Yep, you too. Yep, take care. So that was, again, Dave Chris. You can follow him on Instagram and on Twitter, at the Dave Chris. Uh, hopefully we can see him uh, in Orlando during that week. He's very, he's a very busy guy. He's booked a lot of shows. And, uh, you know, me and Ryan have been talking off air about possibly going to WrestleCon Revolver. Uh, it's a, it looks like a tremendous-looking show. So uh, we'll be... Hoping to get down there uh, to see uh, Dave uh, Christ in action. So, again, uh, that was Dave Christ, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk to him um, some point in the future again. But, uh, yes, welcome to the Royal Ramble. Um, Brian Sendick here along with uh, Ryan Martirano. If you guys want to follow us on social media, uh, you can um, you know follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR, like us on Facebook facebook.com slash uh, Royal Ramble Wrestling, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. We have a lot to talk about, guys. A lot has gone on uh, throughout the week in both pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. Uh, we had a crazy weekend in pro wrestling. Uh, PWG, we just talked about it with Dave. Um, he had a big match, of course, with his brother and Sammy taking on uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Uh, we also had a huge heel turn take place that night. Zack Sabre Jr. defended his uh, world championship against um, uh, Chuck Taylor 
and there was a heel turn that went down where he, uh, where Zach and now Marty Skrull are forming a group together known as LDRS, which stands for Little Dirty Ron Scoundrels. And uh, a lot of stuff went down on PWG, so we got to recap that, plus some UFC talk. Uh, we had UFC Fight Night take place on Sunday. A couple of big fights took place there. We had a big announcement today that uh, a big UFC Women's Strawweight Championship fight has been announced for UFC 211. We'll talk about that fight. And, of course, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live Talk. Uh, we'll start off with Raw. Um... Again, you know, nothing special with Monday Night Raw. I didn't think this week's episode was all that great. Because, um, again, you know, it's just bizarre booking, uh, questionable decision-making in terms of storylines, and just misdirection for a certain amount of stars on the show. Uh, we'll kick it off with uh, just looking back at the show. Uh, we'll start off the show starting out great. I mean, Kevin Owens comes out, cuts this awesome promo, you know, cutting, uh, talking about how he doesn't care about Goldberg. Goldberg means nothing to him. That he's still the champion. He's still the best. Which is the Kevin Owens that you want to see. A guy that says, I don't care what's going to happen. You're not better than me. I'm still going to be the world champion. And then he decided not to cut a promo on Chris Jericho. I like that. Some people didn't. They thought he should have given an answer about Chris Jericho. He didn't. Him doing that basically says that Chris Jericho has nothing to do with him anymore. Just keep him out of the picture for now until we do see Chris Jericho back on television. So that was a great start to Raw. But after that, I thought it just went downhill from there. Uh, for the second straight week, to see Roman Reigns, number one, in another handicap match with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows was absurd. Once again, WWE going back to their ways of having repetitive matches, which is ridiculous. But again, for the second straight week, you have Roman Reigns outnumber and overpower Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who are, by the way, your tag team champions. Uh, it's just a stupid thing to do. I mean, I, I don't know what Vince's vision is with Roman Reigns. I'm not sure what his love affair is with Roman Reigns, but he's got to stop with the nonsense, all right? Every single week, they are booking this guy, and I'm talking about Roman Reigns, as this immortal, unstoppable monster that is beating the crap out of everybody. I mean, I get yeah, you. You want to do that? I've been saying that a couple of times that you should book this guy as a badass. And for the past couple of weeks, he's been a little bit of a badass. But to have him just outnumber and outpower your tag team champions, not to mention two pretty big guys and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, is absurd. You're not doing your tag team ch uh, champions any favors, all right? I thought that once they gave the tag team belts to Anderson and Gallows, that this was going to be a fresh start for these guys, that they're going to be booked the right way. And now they're stuck in this stupid little mini feud with Roman Reigns. And week by week, you know, two on one, they still can't get the job done on Roman Reigns. I'm not sure what the hell the idea is with this. I'm not sure where they're going with this. It looks like that Anderson and Gallows are siding with Stephanie McMahon. Are we going to see a faction between those three plus more? Possibly if they were going to do a faction that involved the authority. I would, lo I would love to see Gallows and Anderson involved. But it's just getting absurd that week by week... We've seen the same crap with Reigns, Anderson, and Gallows, and your tag team champions are being dismantled by one superstar. I'm sorry, Roman Reigns is not Braun Strowman. He's not this immortal figure that it doesn't matter what you throw at him, that he's going to come out on top every single time. you got to stop with that. That's why people don't like this guy, because you continue to shove him down our throats saying that this guy 
could go through anybody. Now, he didn't go through Braun Strowman, but you have to expect that at Fastlane, when these two meet, that Roman's going to win because he has a big match at WrestleMania against The Undertaker, and then he needs the as much as momentum as he can get going into that match. Braun Strowman, at the moment, has no opponent. So, again, it's just the way they handle Roman Reigns. It, it's, it is what it is. It's the Roman Reigns show, and I'm really getting sick and tired of it. It's getting absurd, man, where every single week... We expect to see Roman Reigns get over somebody, and that's not the right thing to do. You know, can you just give at least Anderson Gallows one week where they are above Roman Reigns and they beat him down so bad that Roman can't come back? No. that You think that's the case, but then here comes Roman Reigns back up on his feet, gets a steel chair, hits Anderson, hits Gallows. He spears Anderson through midair. It's enough already, and that's not doing good on the tag team champions, all right? You want to book these guys legitimately, all right? You're the tag team champions. Make these guys feel legitimate. Make them feel like a badass tag team. That no one wants to mess with them. But they're getting outnumbered by one guy. It's getting absurd. And that was one of the things where I'll, I'm watching Raw. And I'm like, this is absurd. And this is why I can't stand about Raw is that all the focus is on making Roman Reigns such this immortal uh, monster. And you can't do that every single week. There's going to be times where you need Roman Reigns to be... Uh, the, the, to have somebody go over Roman Reigns. You can't have this guy go over every single person on your roster because you know what he's doing? He's making everybody look weak underneath him, and you can't do that. You have to have an even playing field, especially when your tag team champions are being outnumbered by a singles guy who doesn't have a championship. You can't have that happen, and that was one of the worst parts, I thought, from this episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I mean, the uh, whole entire episode was pretty bad. I mean, uh, like you said, just another uneventful episode. I mean, it's just a mess. Everything is just all over the place. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the opening segment. I thought that was pretty good, too. You know, this is the Kevin Owens that I wish we saw throughout his entire title reign. I mean, yeah, you know, the friendship with Jericho was funny. It was, okay. But, you know, after a while, uh, it just... It was like enough was enough, and I think the breakup happened at a great time because, uh, like I said, I enjoyed the friendship thing. You know, they were funny together and everything, but I missed the badass Kevin Owens that we saw this past Monday on Raw. So this is the guy I've been wanting to see. Unfortunately, he's about to drop the title, so, I mean, we still will see this badass side of him, but it won't be during his Universal title run, so uh, that's a shame in that aspect. But great promo, obviously, uh, you know, everything is uh, towards Bill Goldberg, so very good stuff there, good way to open up the show. Yeah, as far as the Roman Reigns stuff, I mean, uh, like you said, it's just another example of WWE repeating matches constantly. We just saw this match recently, no need to see it again. I mean, you know, everybody's going to say, yeah, he buried uh, Gallus and Anderson. I mean, you know, I, I guess you, you could also say the New Day did that too uh, back in the day a couple months ago, and then they still became tag champs. So, I mean, they'll be fine. I, again, don't really know what the point of it was. I guess they want to make Roman Reigns look strong heading into his match with Braun Strowman because later on in the night, Braun Strowman got the better of him. So they maybe had to make him look strong in some aspect. Who knows? That's Vince's boy. We all know that by now. Uh, so that's just the way he is booked uh, consistently. A couple of other good things that did happen. Uh, you know, the Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn storyline is still progressing. I'm glad we didn't get KO and Sami Zayn again. I'm telling you, I just I don't care to see that anymore. And again, I don't say that in a bad way because I do love watching them in the ring together. I mean, they're fantastic. But I feel like we see it too much. I mean, we've seen it so much in WWE already that it just doesn't feel special anymore. And it's just like... 
it, it's getting tiresome to see. So I'm glad we did not see that match. We basically just saw Kevin Owens just dominate Sami Zayn. I mean, yeah, I think the bell rung, but I don't really consider that a match. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens did pin him though, but uh, again, we didn't really see them. You know, one on one like we have in the past. So that was pretty good there. Uh, again, the women's storyline continues to grow. Sasha Banks, you can see this heel turn coming. Uh, you know, I'm glad Bailey didn't give up the belt. So. We'll see what happens at Fastlane. Charlotte's going to get a rematch. No surprise there. Everybody thinks she's winning the belt back. Uh, I guess only time will tell. And then I thought the main event went way too long. I really did not think Big Show Braun Strowman was going to be a long match like it was. I mean, uh, I guess some people said it was pretty good for, for, for what it was with the two Giants and Big Show. You know, losing that amount of weight that he did, you know, people say that he did put on a good showing, better than we've seen from Big Show in the past, but still, to me, I don't like seeing Giants like that. I don't see, like seeing big, tall guys like that. To me, it just does nothing. They can't really do much, but uh, again, just a pretty average or below average episode of Raw again. Now, in terms of that main event, I, I agree with you. It went too long, uh, and I didn't agree with it that it was the main event of the show, but it was a good match for what it was. I mean, again, it's amazing. What was so amazing about it is that, yeah, the big show lost so much weight that the guy can move a lot better in the ring. That's number one. But number two, just the way Braun Strowman moves for a man his size is so freak freakish. I mean... To see this guy do a, basically a pop-up jump, you know, courtesy to guys like, you know, Shawn Michaels and The Rock, at his size is incredible. Uh, and the way this guy moves with so much speed and power, the guy's a natural athlete. And you can tell that Vince McMahon, I mean, number one, Vince McMahon must have been dying backstage seeing Big Show versus Braun Strowman going on. He was probably going crazy at how great this was. Uh, but, uh... I mean, yeah, it was a good match for what it was. Did it achieve anything? The only thing it achieved was that Big Show did put Braun Strowman over, which was good to see that a legendary giant put over another giant that's going to be a big-time star for the WWE. And seeing Roman Reigns come out was not shocking, but Braun getting the best of him was smart because, again, you can't have Roman Reigns go over everybody. You know, you need to have some guys get the best of Roman, and Braun is one of those guys. So I like the ending, but I agree it was too long. And it should have never been the main event. I thought that was better served for the middle of the show. Uh, in terms of the women's segment, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was not a great fan of it. Uh, I hate saying this so much because I love Bailey so much. But you can tell that she is just not that grand on the microphone. Uh, her, her mic skills are right now getting exposed. I mean, again, you know, you want to believe what she's saying. But I just don't – I don't know what it is. But I just can't connect with her – Words-wise, even though, yes, yeah, she does tell great stories you know, of how she grew up as a fan like all of us and that she wanted to achieve her dream and she did that. But when she is going up against Stephanie McMahon and Sasha Banks and Charlotte, three really talented talkers on the microphone, she just has no shot. I mean, I thought Stephanie, Sasha, and Charlotte just completely annihilated Bailey, And you can tell that she's just not that strong on the microphone. She's a good talent. She's deserved to be the women's champion, I don't think, right now. But still, she's women's champion material. But definitely, you know, her microphone skills aren't the greatest. But just the overall segment was bizarre. You have Bailey coming out talking about her win. Here comes Stephanie saying that she didn't deserve it. Where is that going? I'm not so sure. Is that a storyline? Are we going to see... You know, Bailey and Stephanie McMahon get into a program. I didn't get that. Uh, Sasha Banks, of course, coming out. Like you said, Ryan, you could definitely see there's, there's going to be a heel turn. When it's going to happen, I'm not so sure, but it's going to happen soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing it happening because Sasha Banks, if you watch her heel work in NXT, she was tremendous. She's going to be a great heel. 
But again, you know, we saw another repetitive match. Charlotte versus Sasha Banks for how many times now? Was that the eighth, ninth time that we've seen Sasha versus Charlotte for the past, what, five months? I mean, again, just things with Raw that I don't like is that they repeat matches. They just do. And this Charlotte-Sasha match had no reason. It was just a match to be on the show because they needed some time to fill up. And again, yeah, I'm not going to discredit Sasha versus Charlotte. I mean, they have outstanding chemistry. There's, It's always going to be there. Same thing with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Those two can't have a bad match. It's impossible. And the same can be said for Sasha and Charlotte. But how many times are we going to see it? It's just getting to a point where, like you said, Ryan, yes, I don't want to discredit Sami versus Owens because they always deliver. But these don't feel special anymore because they constantly repeat. There's no need for it. And going back to Owens and Zayn. Going back to their match at Battleground, was that supposed to be the final match between these two guys for quite a while? Not really, because we've seen them face each other, what, four times ever since? It's ridiculous. And I thought that with Sasha and Charlotte ending their feud at Roadblock, I thought that was going to be the last time we see these two girls go one-on-one for a while. But no, back at each other again on Raw. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid. It's poor booking. It's, it's really lazy writing. They got to be better when it comes to stuff like this. Enough with the repetitive matches. It's getting to a point where I'm not interested anymore. It's just, it just is what it is with that. And another thing I want to get into was the uh, the tag team match between Cesaro, Sheamus against Enzo and Cass. Um, Enzo and Cass winning the, the match was the smart move. I thought I think it's time to give Enzo and Cass the opportunity to to go for those tag team championships. But a big problem went down that if you're a WWE, you you gotta be nervous as hell. So after the match was over, Enzo got on the microphone basically making fun of Sheamus and Cesaro and basically doing his little thing that he does every week. And then here comes Sheamus. He broke kicks um, Enzo. And then you hear the fans chanting, thank you, Sheamus. That's a problem if you're WWE because that tells me that people might be starting to get sick and tired of Enzo and Cass's antics. And personally, I still enjoy it. I still think they're both fantastic. But they basically say the same stuff every single week where you just got to sit there and say, when's enough enough? I mean, we're seeing these guys cut the same exact promo, say the same exact stuff. It's starting to get old with people. And I thought of that when Sheamus broke kicked Enzo, and then you heard the fans chant, Thank you, Sheamus. Whoever thought you would ever hear that? Especially when you're chanting for a guy that nobody likes and you're cheering against a guy that is beloved by many. You hear people chant, thank you, Sheamus. Now, maybe it's just because the crowd in Los Angeles is a lot more hardcore than other fans. But if you're WWE and you saw that chant, you heard that chant, you got to be concerned with Enzo and Cass's future. Now, maybe if they become tag champions, it'll be okay, but... You gotta be, you gotta be honest. I mean, they are cutting a similar promo every single week. Yeah, it will have different verbs and sentences, but it has that same feeling. You know, Enzo coming out saying his thing, uh, same thing with Big Cast, and they just say the same stuff. Where people just sit there and go, "When's enough enough? I've heard this same crap over and over. I want to see something different, and we're not seeing anything different with Enzo and Cast. So if I'm WWE, I'm very concerned with that. You know, are people gonna get tired of Enzo and Cast? Is the act getting old? Or was it just because you're in Los Angeles and there are some hardcore fans that come from Los Angeles? I mean, look no further than PWG. California's a big place for wrestling. They're hardcore fans. Maybe they're just not fans of Enzo and Cass. So if you're Raw, you got to hope for next Monday on Raw when Enzo and Cass come back on the television screen, they're going to hear more cheers and boos. But uh, 
that is something that I'll be concerned with for them WWE. But again, it was just another repeated of Raw, same acts, poor booking, a lot of misdirection in terms of certain superstars. And that's why Raw has not been great since the brand split because they do the same stuff. We have not seen anything different with the show in quite a while. I mean, the last great show that they put together was the show where Kevin Owens became Universal Champion. Ever since then, they've had some decent shows, but most of them have been very, very poor. And will they ever get out of this funk? I'm not so sure if they're going to get out of this funk right now. It may take them a long time, but again, for this week, it was a Raw that, to me, just wasn't great. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, you know, a couple things that you pointed out. I couldn't agree more on the, you know, Bailey point that you said, um, you know, her on the microphone. Yeah, it's bad. It, it is really, really bad. I mean, it's almost really, really bad. Like, I feel bad for her when I watch it because I know she's not that great on the microphone. You could tell sometimes she almost trips over words or doesn't really know what to say or stutters or, you know, she, she just doesn't have a good way with words like the other people do, like, you know, for example, like Stephanie McMahon does or Sasha Banks does or Charlotte, who, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, in, in the women's division on the microphone. I mean, yeah, I mean, luckily her in-ring talent really helps her out there, but yeah, like you said, Whatever she is selling on the microphone, I'm not buying because I just I, I can't get into it. I can't really connect. I, I can't really feel like it's it's real or what she's saying is is true. You know, so it's it's very very difficult. That's the one weakness of Bailey. If you can even complain about any weaknesses of her, that's definitely one of them because yeah, she is just not not good uh, talking on the mic at all. As far as uh, the Sheamus thing, thank you Sheamus chanting by the fans. Yeah, I mean honestly. You know, it's a shame, but I don't blame the fans because I think this act with Enzo and Cass has gone way too far. Now, in NXT, you know, obviously, you know, they were over completely with the crowd or whatever. But once they got up to the main roster, Enzo started talking way too much, and so did Cass. I mean, they should come out and do their thing. You know, I am Enzo Amore, whatever, and this is big Cass, can't teach that. All that stuff like that, that's fine. That's, that's basically what they're built off of. They should just do that. They should get in the ring, say maybe a little quick thing about their opponents, do the soft thing, and then cut it. Enzo, I feel like, drags it way too much. He mm -hmm. goes way too far, and I feel like people are sick of it. And apparently in L.A., they just couldn't take it anymore either. I mean, I remember when I was watching the Royal Rumble back in January, and him and him and uh, Cass came out, because Big Cass was the number one entry in the Royal Rumble, and it was an unnecessary promo from Enzo Amore. I just couldn't wait for him to shut up. I wish somebody would cut the microphone. And again, I like Enzo Amore a lot, and he's one of the best speakers. But again, sometimes it just drags. They just talk about nonsense. And I think the fans are getting sick of it. Clearly, it showed this past Monday. Again, this is an experiment that they got to test out now. In the next coming weeks, we'll see if the other crowds catch on to it as well. But again... I don't blame these people for getting sick of it because I can't even stand it anymore. It's just getting too bad. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But like you said, another <laughs> terrible Raw. And again, are they going to get out of this funk? I don't think so because the three-hour thing is a really, really big uh, killer. I mean, I think if they were two hours like SmackDown was, I think the show would flow a lot better. I mean, they'd have no choice but to follow storylines and make things you know, relevant or whatever. But three hours, man, there's too much filler. There is just too much that goes on, and that's the killer for Raw. So unless they get out of the three-hour thing, which I know they have a contract with the USA Network, I don't see how this is going to get any, t any better anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know either, and I completely agree with you with Enzo and Cass. I mean, yeah, their act is funny, they're entertaining, but there are times where Enzo just drags it out way too long. 
And you know, people will say, well, why didn't people get sick and tired of uh, DX? Because basically every single week on Raw, back in the Attitude Era, that um, you know, uh, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, DX said the same stuff with their catchphrases. Well, yeah, I yeah, th- that was the case, but they didn't drag it out too long. You know, they said their thing and they got to business. You know, and people say, you know what, you know, these guys are keeping themselves at a good pace when it comes to stuff like this. Where with Enzo and Cass, I, I just think they try too much. That's just me. I think they try way too much to get over with the fans. But guys, you're already over. People like you. They like your personalities. Why are you trying so hard that every single week you need to drag out your promos where you're just oversaturating yourselves? And there are going to be some certain fans where you're going to sit there and say, these guys, you know, you just got to stop with the nonsense. Stop with the bullshit and just, you know, go out there and perform. And I think that's where we're at right now with Enzo and Cass is that. They're doing too much when it comes to cutting promos. They just got to cut it down a little bit. Say a few things, be funny, and then get to work. Where There's just promos where they take, I, I, I mean this, they take up to over five minutes. And they have a match to, to perform, and they do promos for five minutes. Then the match goes down. That should not be the case. Their promos should at least be under three minutes and then get to work. That's why I think people may be sick and tired of end zone casts because... They just go too far when it comes to promos. And what I mean by that is that they go too much. They say too much. Cut a promo, make your point, and then get to work. And that is something that they got to do better. Because, look, you know, they'll say something. It's funny. But then they continue and they go on and on and on where you just don't know when it's going to end. So, hopefully, this is not a problem. Enzo Cash are a team I like. They should be tag team champions before the eventual split up does happen because we all know... Big Cass and Enzo are going to have their split because Cass is a big future as a singles guy. But as of right now, guys, you know, you, you got to be really concerned with where they're going with this, uh, with, with Enzo and Cass. But I just think if they cut down their promos, uh, you know, make them shorter and cut to the point, they should be fine. And in terms of the uh, SmackDown, it was just like Raw. I mean, it was better than Raw, but wasn't special this week. Um... We'll start with some sad news in terms of SmackDown. Uh, Naomi, tough news to hear about her. Uh, she starred the show with Daniel Bryan. Uh, she was forced to relinquish her women's championship because of a knee injury that she suffered in her match against uh, Alexa Bliss at um at um Elimination Chamber. Uh, definitely unfortunate news. You never want to see talent forced to drop belts because of injury. We've seen that quite a few times for the past few years. Most recently, Finn Balor had to drop the belt. Uh, after SummerSlam because he hurt his uh, shoulder. Uh, now we're seeing with Naomi. I'm not sure what the timetable is for Naomi uh, when she's going to come back to action. Uh, it looks like she's not going to be ready for WrestleMania, so maybe after WrestleMania she'll be back. But it's tough to see because, again, you know, I was against the idea of having Naomi win the belt this quickly over Alexa Bliss. I wasn't a fan of that. But still, you know, you can tell that she has so much passion for the business. You know, she worked so hard to get to this point, and she's gone through a ton of gimmicks, whether it was the Funkadactyls, whether it was the, you know, the Team Bad gimmick. You know, things weren't working out until she became uh, the Feel the Glow gimmick, and she's been getting more over with the fans. She's been getting more TV time, and she won the championship. I was happy for her, but I felt it was too early. But still, you know, she won the championship. Good for her. And to see her, she had to drop the belt because of injury. You just never want to see that. So we wish the best for Naomi uh, moving forward. Hopefully she comes back soon. Uh, in terms of the women's title match with uh, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss, I mean, number one, they got it right with Bliss winning the belt back. If there's anybody that should be champion 
after Naomi, it should be Alexa Bliss. I Again, I feel like that she never should have lost that belt in the first place. I thought it was too early to take the belt off of Bliss, and it was too early to put the belt on Naomi. Uh, so to see the belt back on her, that's awesome because Alexa Bliss has earned it. She's a tremendous, tremendous character. The whole Wicked Witch heel character is working so well. She's a great talker, and her in-ring work just gets better and better. In terms of the finish, I wasn't a fan of it. I know it's a heel finish. She found a way to uh, to distract the referee, and she raked the eyes of Becky Lynch. She did the roll-up. I get that, but personally, in terms of storyline purposes, it would have made more sense for Mickey James to come out to screw Becky Lynch, because we all know they're still working a program there, and I think Mickey... Basically, costing Becky, uh, Becky Lynch the championship will continue to add more fuel to the to the uh, the feud. But you know, just that's just me nitpicking. I I prefer the better finish. But anyways, Alexa Bliss is champion once again, and that's great to see. Cause like I said, she should have never lost that belt in the first place. She should still be champion. And with the unfortunate injury to Naomi, this gives her an opportunity to be champion again. I'm not sure how long. The reign's going to be. You just never know these days in WWE when title reigns will end because it looks like anybody can win a championship these days. But to see the belt back on Bliss, man, I'm very happy. And like I said for Naomi, we wish the best for her. And hopefully she recovers from this injury. She'll be back in action pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a tough break. And, you know, you, you really got to feel for her. I mean, uh, you know, that's real emotion right there. You know, obviously when she had to hand over the title to Daniel Bryan, you know, hysterical crying. I mean, that's real. That's real stuff right there. She's not putting on an act. I mean, we all know how badly she wanted to walk into Orlando as the champion, which her hometown right in front of her family. She's worked so hard, finally got this championship win. And then, of course... Here it comes, the injuries. And, you know, we've seen this way too many times before with some of our favorites like Daniel Bryan, uh, Finn Balor, uh, Seth Rollins. I mean, it, this happens all the time, it feels like. And it just really, really sucks. I mean, it's a really tough break for somebody like that who has worked so hard, at, you know, just to achieve something like that, finally gets it. And at the best time of the year, WrestleMania time, on the road to WrestleMania, just so happens it's in her hometown, her family's going to be there. And then she can't compete due to injury and has got to give up the belt. It really, really sucks. I really, really felt so bad for her uh, on Tuesday night. But, again, you know, of course, Alexa Bliss wins the title back. And, you know, I couldn't be any more happier about that as well. She deserved to win it back. I mean, if there was anybody to give the title back to, it was definitely her. Uh, Two-time champ now. That's great. That's, you know, history-making. Nobody's ever done that yet. Uh, she's the first one to do that, so I'm glad the title is back around her waist. And now we'll see what happens. I think, you know, going into WrestleMania, it's got to revolve around Alexa Bliss, uh, Mickey James, and, and Becky Lynch. I think it should be a triple threat match at WrestleMania mm -hmm. for the, this belt. Uh, I don't know where, you know, if, of course, I think we're going to see Nikki Bella with uh, Maurice in a program with her and John Cena and uh, The Miz, but I don't know where that leaves Natalia. Maybe Natalia jumps into that or whatever, but I would love to see this belt on the line in a triple threat or fatal four-way match. I mean, I, I really hope they just don't do some stupid tag team match, uh, you know, like they've done in the past. I really hope the title is on the line here. Whether it's on the pre-show or not, it deserves to be on the line at WrestleMania because these girls definitely deserve it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an impromptu match between uh, Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch. I don't really have a problem with the finish. 
Um, I can see where you're coming from, though, in terms of storyline purposes. It would have made sense if Mickey James came out and costed her them, uh, costed Becky Lynch the match instead. But again, Alexa's roll up doesn't really make Becky look, uh, you know, weak at all. So that's a good thing. Uh, so again, we'll see where they go with this. But yeah, I mean, you got to feel for Naomi. I mean, it's such a such a tough break. Now, the big thing, of course, that went down other than Bliss getting the belt back was the main event match. It was a ten man battle royal to determine the new number one contender for the uh, World Championship of WrestleMania because, of course, with the storyline going on right now, Randy Orton has forbid himself of to facing Bray Wyatt because he still wants to be Bray Wyatt's servant. But we all know that at some point we're going to see Randy involved in the title scene at WrestleMania. There's no way they're going to keep that from happening. So, so in storyline purposes, we have this 10-man battle royal. I thought the 10-man they got other than Mojo Raleigh was perfect. Those were the right guys. Uh, just shows you, though, how weak the SmackDown roster is. To see guys like Mojo Riley, Kalisto, Apollo Crews involved, it's a very weak roster, and that's why I think when more call-ups come from NXT that most of these guys should be on SmackDown, not Raw, because Raw is extremely deep. And I'll get to that a little bit a little bit later in terms of one specific superstar. But uh, back to this. Um, the finish, Ryan, couldn't go any poor. Uh, I get... I understand what they were trying to do, and I'm talking about WWE. What they're trying to do, of course, is to do another John Cena Batista, to do another Randy Orton Miz, and that's to have the two final guys in the Battle Royal eliminate themselves at the same time. They both hit the floor at the same time. So they try to do that with Luke Harper and AJ Styles, the final two, which were the right two. If there was any guy, any two guys that should finish the match, it was those two. So I agree with that, uh, those two guys finishing it off. But the the spot that went down with both guys trying to land at the same time did not go well. Now, whose fault is it? I'm not so sure. I'm not going to blame anybody because I saw a lot of people take the social media saying that, oh, AJ messed up, Luke Carpenter messed up, you know, it was a terrible spot. Guys, let's, let's be honest. That's not an easy spot to do. To have both guys land – on the floor at the same time is so tough to pull off. Now, Batista and Cena back at the Royal Rumble 2005, they nailed it. But I heard they didn't practice it. They just went for it. And it was so good because they didn't practice it. I think that AJ and Luke tried to practice it. And I just think it just didn't go well. And it was just a tough spot to pull off. And when you watch the replay, now I credit WWE with the current camera angle because it is tough to call who uh, who fell first or if, if both fell at the same time. But there's also fans out there that are not idiots. And when you watch the replay, you know it's clear as day that AJ was eliminated first. Now, like I said, I get it what they're trying to do. They want to... You know, they want to take their time with this storyline because we're still weeks away from WrestleMania. We still have over a month to WrestleMania. So they have lots of weeks, lots of time to prepare themselves to build this story up. I get that. So I don't uh, disagree with um, with what hap- with the decision to have AJ and Luke uh, face each other for, uh, the champion- for the number one contendership because both guys, quote-unquote, eliminated themselves at the same time. But that's not going to sit well with people because they know that AJ was eliminated first. So Luke Harper deserves the win. Now, if you follow these storylines carefully, people, we know that Luke Harper is winning this match with AJ Styles. If you disagree, I'm not sure what you're thinking. 
Just follow the current storyline. It's as clear as day. It makes sense that Luke Harper is going to win this match. Now, I've talked to some people saying that, well, I think it's too early for Luke Harper to be involved in the match. And I agree. I think it may be too early for Luke Harper to be involved in a big match at WrestleMania, especially with the world, ti- with the world title on the line. But with its current storyline going on, with the split up of the Wyatt family, and with Luke Harper playing such a pivotal role, I don't think WWE has a choice but to have Luke Harper involved. He's too big a part of the story where he has to be involved. All right. Now, yes, I would like to see Randy versus Bray one-on-one again because those two have a great chemistry. There's a history there. The story that's being told is really, really well told. But with Luke Harper involved, it creates more intrigue, in my opinion. I'm intrigued to see what Luke Harper can do in this match because, like I said, people, he's going to win this match next Tuesday. He's going to be involved in the title scene, and it's probably going to be a triple threat match because, again, I don't see Randy Orton – keeping himself out of this match. There's going to be some sort of plot where Randy's going to get involved in the match and it's going to be a triple threat match. So I have no problem with it. It may be too early with Luke Harper, but with him involved, it creates more intrigue. And hell, the people love Luke Harper. You saw the chance they gave him after the match on Tuesday. People are starting to dig this guy. So I guess they're going to give him the opportunity. It may be too early, but Luke Harper's a pretty damn good talent. Why doesn't he deserve it? I think he deserves it. Maybe too early, but he's a great talent no matter what. So, um, again, you know, just the ending was very, very poor. Uh, it's it's just a tough spot to pull off. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, the, uh, the, the match on Tuesday goes well with Luke Harper and AJ Styles. And we finally come to the conclusion that we're going to see uh, Luke versus Bray versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. It may be too early for Luke Harper. But let's be honest, I mean, he's played a, bit, a pivotal role in this storyline. It really doesn't make sense to keep him out of the storyline. You, you need to have him involved. And if he does win on Tuesday, which he's gonna likely going to do it, good for him. But again, with that final main event match, that spot, it was poor. But again, people, it's so tough to pull it off that I can't blame these two guys for messing up. It's just so tough to pull it off. But uh, again, we'll see what happens next week. But rough ending. But you just have to think Luke Harper is going to win this match and he's going to be involved in the world title match with Bray and Randy. Yeah, this was uh, very, very bad. And again, like you said, you can't really blame these two guys. Uh, You can't even really blame WWE, to be honest. I mean, you know, they they tried to finish. Uh, Again, this is live television. You know, it's a one-shot deal, basically. You know, you can practice it all you want. When it comes to, you know, the live show where it really matters on television, you know, again, it could either go really, really bad or really, really good. So in this case, it went really, really bad. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, like you said, you can't really blame both guys. Again, I don't really, you know, they could have done it a different way if they really wanted to. Uh, I think, you know, if, you know, AJ could have been on the outside of the ropes on the apron, Luke could have been inside the ring. AJ could have been pulling Luke Harper down. They mm-hmm. could have both hugged each other and fell at the same exact time. Then that would have looked even a little bit more better, I would have assumed. Uh, but the way it was done, yeah, just just terrible. It looked like Luke couldn't even get off the apron in time. And at that, at that point, AJ was well on the floor. Again, it was brutally obvious to everybody watching. And, you know, there was obviously a reason why they didn't show the instant replay. I knew it right away when they didn't show the replay. Uh, somebody definitely had to call the guy in the truck or whatever to, you know, notify him not to put that on TV, do not show the replay again because that's how obvious it was that AJ Styles 
uh, you know, fell first. And, you know, again, like you said, I get what they're doing. You know, they tr they're trying to drag this out. I mean, uh, you know, it's still weeks and weeks away from WrestleMania. Trying to drag this out the best they can. And I think having AJ and Luke Harper next week in a number one contenders match, uh, you know, again, this is the setup to AJ Styles and Shane McMahon. It is. I mean, as, as much as people don't want to hear that, don't want to see that match, it's happening. And I think, you know, if AJ loses here, uh, again, you know, I would have almost had Luke Harper, you know, his feet touch before AJ's. And then, uh, you know, again, I, I know they were supposed to do it at the same time, but I would have just had Luke Harper's, you know, uh, feet touch first before AJ's, make it obvious. But again, have what happened with Daniel Bryan coming out saying this number one contenders match. You know, so technically AJ is the number one contender, but they still set up this match, and then Luke Harper wins, and that's kind of you know Daniel Bryan and Shane's way of screwing AJ out of you know you know the championship match, mm -hmm. and then that even sets up further AJ Styles and Shane McMahon. I would have done it that way. I, again, I don't really know you know what went wrong there, but again, it's just uh, something that happens on live television that you can practice all you want, but when it comes to the real thing, it could go really good or really bad. So yeah, I mean, this was just really brutal to watch. But again, next week it should be a good match between AJ and Luke. And like you said, Brian, there is not a chance AJ Styles wins this match. It's going to go to Luke Harper. Uh, it's going to be a triple threat at Mania for this belt, and I couldn't be any more excited. Like you said, adds more intrigue, uh, makes the match better. Uh, I'd be okay with Randy and Bray one-on-one. -on -one. I really would, but uh, the triple threat just sounds way more tempting. So, yeah, I mean, not a good ending to SmackDown at all, but again, nobody's really to blame here, not even WWE. It's just a tough spot to, to pull off. And again, you know, if mistakes happen and, you know, you're asking two guys to try to pull off the spot, it's a lot of pressure. And I agree with you, Ryan. I think the positioning of where this happened wasn't the right one. It would have been better off having, like you say, you know, have um, – AJ basically dragged Luke Harper, both guys like hugging each other uh, through the ropes, and they both fall at the same time. The way they did it was by the top turnbuckle. It was really bizarre. But uh, again, it's, it's, it's a tough spot to pull off, and both these guys don't deserve any blame. For the rest of the match, it led to a lot of upcoming storylines and matches for WrestleMania. We still see more um, fuel to the fire, to the feud between... Uh, Dean and Baron Corbin. Uh, that's going to happen at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship. That should be a good one. And also we saw on SmackDown were the beginning stages of the Miz, Maurice, Cena, Nikki Bella stuff. That's going to happen at WrestleMania because the Nikki-Natalia match ended because Maurice got involved. She hit uh, Nikki Bella with the pipe. Natty won the match. So that's going to set up that. And then, of course, Cena eliminating Miz. Miz come back, comes back, eliminates John Cena. So the seeds are going to be planted for this to happen. And, again, I'm just sick of it. I'm not happy whatsoever that this is what we're going to get at WrestleMania for Cena and for The Miz. You know, The Miz is coming off an outstanding year in WWE. He basically brought relevancy back to the Intercontinental Championship. John Cena, of course, is one of the top stars that the company has. And this is the match you're going to give him along with their girlfriend slash wife it's so so stupid i'm not looking forward to it um i just think they could have done something better for miz and john cena i just don't think you know having them in a tag team match along with uh, uh miz's wife and cena's girlfriend possibly going to be his future wife because we've heard the rumors that cena at the match is going to propose to nikki bella yay i want to see that happen i don't really give a crap but, um, yeah, that, that's going to happen. I'm not a fan of it. They should do something better. Uh, another thing that happened on the SmackDown show was the Usos promo 
on American Alpha. So American Alpha was in tag team action yet again. They took on the Fashion Police. They beat them quickly. After the match was over, here come the Usos. And they cut this bizarre promo. But it was really, really good. And it was really different. You never saw this type of energy from the Usos. I mean, when I was... I'm kid you not, Ryan. When I watched these two guys cut this promo on Tuesday... I felt like I was watching the Briscoe brothers because they were acting just like Mark and Jay. Because when you watch Mark and Jay cut a promo, they're just everywhere. You know, they say the most bizarre things, but they're entertaining as hell. And people dig the Briscoes because they are of a different breed when it comes to promos. And that's what I thought of the Usos. When they cut this promo, they were acting like the Briscoes, which is not a bad thing. That's pretty cool because it's a different side of the Usos that we've never seen before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're still trying to adapt to this heel turn. You know, they're still trying to get used to themselves. They're, stri- they're still trying to embrace the role as a heel, as these gangsters who are basically badasses. They don't give a crap about the rules. They're going to break the rules. And the promo that they cut on Tuesday, it was bizarre because you never thought you would ever see that from the Usos. And it was pretty cool. The stuff they were saying, what they were telling the American Alpha, it got me pumped up. I'm like, damn, man. Because, you know, at some point, you know, a a time ago, I wasn't interested in the Usos. I thought they were an old act. They were getting tiring to see. But ever since the heel turn, I've been a a fan of the Usos because this is something different that needed to happen. It's something innovative. It's cool to see this heel turn for the Usos. And I thought the promo that they cut on Tuesday was really, really good. And I'm hoping... SmackDown's creative team books this feud right. Because I think, you know, let's be honest. I love American Alpha. I really do. I'm fans of Jordan Gable. They're one of my favorite tag teams in wrestling today. But they have not been booked the best way. They are being booked too powerful. They're running through the entire tag team division. Not a good move. Because it makes your tag team division look weak. It's already weak. But if you're SmackDown, don't you want to help, you know, the Ascension, the Fashion Police, the Vault Villains. Don't you want to make make them feel legitimate? Because you, you have these guys every single week go out there to basically job to American Alpha. And I'm not blaming American Alpha. Yes, they're really good. I just think SmackDown's going a little bit too far when it comes to booking American Alpha as this dominant tag team. They don't need to go over everybody, all right? Create some feuds, you know? Have them get power, overpowered one week, you know? It's just not a good look for the Ascension or Fashion Police or any other tag team that the, every single week they're being bang, they're being beaten down by American Alpha and they're getting jobbed by American Alpha. Not a good look right there. So hopefully the booking gets better with American Alpha. They should not be booked this way. And I hope, I really hope that this upcoming feud with the Usos is a pretty damn good one because it has potential to be very good. I'm just curious and I'm wondering if uh, how long this feud is going to go. And what's the booking going to be? Are we going to see American Alpha just completely dismantle the Usos? Are we going to see some competitive matches with the Usos? Are we going to see back and forth wins between these two teams? Or is American Alpha going to go over them every single week? I don't want to see that. I want to see back and forth blows. I want to see these two teams at each other every single week. Well, not in a similar match every single week. But to have these teams just go back and forth, back and forth in this feud. Because it has potential to be a very good feud. What's going to be a great feud, though, it comes down to the booking of WWE. Plain and simple. 
If they don't book yeah. this feud the right, it's, uh, sorry, Ryan. Uh, if no. they don't book this feud the right way, it could be a disastrous feud. They gotta book this feud the right way in order for it to be a very successful feud. Because let's be honest, this tag team division on SmackDown is the weakest link on the show. All right, the women's division is really good. The main event scene is really good. The mid card's solid. The tag team division has been very, very poor. And a part of it is because SmackDown has been booking American Alpha too big. You can't do that. Every single tag team has to have equal legitimacy. Not all of them, but still, you want you want to believe in the Ascension. You want to believe in the Fashion Police. You want to believe in the Vault Villains. You want to believe in any other tag team on SmackDown. But every single week, we're seeing the same stuff. America Alpha's in action, and they're constantly being tag teams. That's not a smart move because it's making your division look weak. And you can't have that. You want to give these tag teams at least an opportunity to prove themselves, to say, hey, we're a legitimate tag team. We're no joke. We are a serious threat to those championships. And that is something that SmackDown has not done since the brand split. It's been all about American Alpha, which, all right, you want to make them the face of your tag team division, but you still have to focus on building your other tag teams, and they have not done that. The Usos are a different example because they have been around for a while. They're a veteran tag team. They're very good, and this heel, this, this heel change has been great for them. They're the only legitimate threat to the tag team belts. But everybody else, not really. They're more they're more of a joke than a legitimate threat. So with this feud, should be a good one. If it's not going to be good, it's going to be on the creative staff and the booking. they got to book this feud right in order to have a successful tag team feud between these two teams. It has a potential to be great, but it's going to be on the booking staff to make it great. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, hey, they're off to a good start. Like you said, that uh, Usos promos got everybody talking. Like you said, it was very Briscoe brother-like. I mean, that's basically what it reminded you of. It's one of the things I thought of right away when I seen them going all crazy and nuts. Uh, you know, great promo from them. I, I'm really digging them as heels. I mean, I wish uh, we saw this a long time ago. I think this is exactly what they needed. They needed a reset. They needed to turn heel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm loving it. And I'm going to be loving this feud, too. I'm glad it's happening now. I'm assuming it's going to be one of the matches at WrestleMania, which I'm pumped about. Uh, so, again, these are the two best tag teams on SmackDown on the roster. Like you said, it does come down to the booking. Uh, you know, again, booking hasn't been all that great about them with American Alpha, uh, as well as the other tag teams. But, you know what, it's tough. When when you got tag teams like there, like, you know, Breeze and Fandango, uh, and The Ascension, uh, you know, Mojo and Ryder, who obviously Ryder's out with the injury, but uh, you have uh, Heath Slater and Rhino. You really don't have believable tag teams. And, you know, I, I say that, you know, because they're not believable yet. The Ascension were once believable in NXT, and when they came up, they had potential. But ever since, they've just been dying. They literally have sunk in water, and th there's really no coming back from that. I mean, unless they really hit the reset button on them and com have completely new gimmicks or whatever, or you know, they, they become faces or whatever, I don't see how they're ever going to become relevant again. So these are the only two relevant tag teams they have on the roster it makes sense to just put them into a feud. But again, yeah, it all comes down to the booking. We'll see how they book this moving forward. Uh, you know, we'll see how they drag this out in the next coming weeks, though. I mean, starting it really, really early, uh, what are the users going to come out and cut a promo on, on American Alpha every week now? Or are they going to actually have a match? Or I don't really know what's going to go down. Again, still a while away from WrestleMania. 
I don't know how they're going to drag this out, but again, it all comes down to the booking, like you said. Uh, some other good stuff, though. We did get some more storyline progression with uh, Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, of course. When Ambrose eliminates Corbin, then he does the end of days to Dean Ambrose on the floor. Uh, you know, again, that's going to be a really, really good match at WrestleMania. I think it needs a, a stipulation, though. I would like an Extreme Rules or, or something like that, or, uh, you know, No Holds Barred or something, because this has been really physical in the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'm really digging it, but again, it, it definitely needs a stipulation, I think, heading into Mania, but good stuff there. Uh, yeah, and then we saw the, the seeds being planted for this John Cena, Nikki Bella, uh, Miz and Maurice match, which again, not a lot of people like. I'm not really a fan of it either. Um, again, we're getting it, so we really can't complain too much. Uh, you know, the Falls Count Anywhere match, first of all, though, I thought was very, very good, surprisingly, uh, between Nikki Bella and Natalia. I think they really utilized you know, the backstage area and outside the ring uh, to their advantage. I, I really think they did. You know, nowadays when we see Falls Count Anywhere matches, you really don't see them utilize the backstage area or anything really outside of the ring uh, all that much. But I think they did a great job with what they were given. Uh, you know, again, given the circumstances, I think they really did a good job. The feud is finally over with, and now we have Maurice and Nikki Bella feuding here. Uh, again, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm really going to give this a chance to see uh, if it could get me a little bit excited. But again, a mixed tag match that means absolutely nothing and probably is just for the Total Divas reality TV show. Uh, it's just, it's stupid and not a match that you would have at a WrestleMania. It's a match you would have at a B pay-per-view. Uh, you know, again, not at your biggest show of the year. As far as John Cena, uh, you know, proposing to Nikki Bella, those rumors coming out, I don't even know if that's true. I wouldn't assume that's true. I mean, again, that's got to be a real-life proposal if that's the case. And I'm sure if we all know about it, Nikki Bella had heard the rumors too. So it's going to kind of be weird and awkward if that's the case. I I think they should leave that off the show. Again, like you said, Brian, who cares? Let them do it on their own time, not in front of the crowd at WrestleMania inside the ring. It's just beyond ridiculous. So, again, uh, you know, overall, I thought SmackDown was pretty good besides the ending. Uh, again, this is going to be how the booking, you know, for WWE is for these next couple of weeks because Raw has the Fastlane pay-per-view next weekend. SmackDown mm -hmm. already had their last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Now it's all, all you know, speed ahead, uh, you know, for Mania. Again, like I said, Got a couple more weeks to go. It's going to be interesting to see how they drag this out. Uh, you know, I think they can do it, but we'll see what happens. Uh, let's shift the focus now to NXT. We have a lot to cover with when it comes to NXT. We got to recap uh, this past Wednesday's episode. Plus, uh, last night the TV tapings took place. The final TV tapings uh, leading up to Takeover Orlando. A lot went down for that, and we're starting to get a good glimpse now on what the card's going to be for Takeover Orlando. But in terms of last night's episode. Really, really good, man. I mean, again, you know, NXT for some reason, it, when it comes to take, when it comes to uh, shows leading to takeover events, they just, they just deliver. And again, last night they delivered another great show. Right out of the gate, we had a triple threat match to determine the new number one contender for the women's championship between Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, and Liv Morgan. I thought the match was really, really good. I give credit to all three ladies for playing their roles well in the match. Uh, Payne Royce winning the match was not shocking, and I say that because I read the spoilers, so I was expecting to see that. Uh, some people were not happy about it, but people, you know, let's let's look at it. Again, we are so long, we're so far away from TakeOver Orlando where, you know, this is going to be a, a, a lot of build, and Payne Royce right now is just going to be a warm-up for Asuka, 
before she gets her match with Ember Moon. There's no chance in hell Triple H is going to have Asuka versus Peyton Royce at TakeOver Orlando, all right? Triple H knows WrestleMania weekend, he needs a bigger match than that. And the biggest match possible in the women's division for the championship at a WrestleMania weekend show is Asuka versus Ember Moon. And we already saw the announcement that next week, we're getting Royce versus Asuka. So people need to pump the brakes a little bit. We're not getting Royce versus Asuka at WrestleMania weekend. It's this is next week. And after that match, we're going to get Asuka versus Ember Moon. That is a guarantee. But the match itself was really good. Uh, t- cap off to all three of those ladies for putting on a good match. Uh, Pete Dunn versus Marky Andrews. I mean, what else is there to say? These two are exceptional. Exceptional talents. Um... You know, if you watch these guys wrestle before against each other, you were you knew what to expect for those who didn't see these two guys ever wrestle. Well, say hi to Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne. Say hi to British Strong Style. These two guys are exceptional talents. Um, it, it went so well. There was just great back-and-forth action. You know, both guys played their roles really well. Mark Andrews being the high-flying, energetic wrestler versus Pete Dunne, the in-your-face, hard-hitting British-style wrestler. It told a really good story. It was a very good match. Hard-hitting, explosive match. Pete Dunne winning the match was no shock. Um, And let's be honest, Ryan. I know we've heard the rumors when it comes to the UK talents having their own show. It is possible that's going to happen. But, Ryan, Pete Dunne, I think he's better off staying in NXT as a full-timer. I really, truly believe that this guy could be a main event superstar for NXT. He is that damn good, alright? His facial expressions, his bruise away characters over. He's so damn good in the ring. He plays his role perfectly. The guy is a complete talent, and he's only 23 years old. His future in wrestling is extremely bright. And I think WWE them I think NXT, WWE in a whole, they have themselves a special talent. And I just think that him on the UK show it's just not good enough. He is better than that. And I definitely think he could be a major contributor, a major threat to NXT and its championship. I really believe that. Some people may think I'm crazy, but that's how I view Mark. Excuse me, Pete Dunne. He is just that damn good of a talent. And you see, when you look back at that UK tournament show, the publicity that he got, you know, the statement that he made to see him get involved – Face-to-face with William Regal. Get involved face-to-face with Triple H. You can tell that those guys believe highly in Pete Dunne's abilities. They believe in this kid. So, let's be honest, Triple H. Why are you going to have this guy wasted on the UK show when he's better served making an impact on both NXT and at some point in the future... On the main roster. I really believe this kid could be a superstar one day. I really believe that. He's just that damn good. For Mark Andrews, same thing. This kid's got a charisma to him. Not vocally, not verbally, but in the ring, he's got a charisma. His character is really good. The fans dig this guy. And I can see this guy. You know, why not put him on the 205 Live show? He's a cruiserweight. He fits the bill. He fits their style. Imagine him on the show wrestling Adrian, uh, excuse me, Neville, wrestling Tazawa, wrestling uh, TJ Perkins, Tony Nese. That's something I want to see. So they got to think long and hard about what to do with these UK talents. Personally to me, in terms of Andrews and Dunn, Dunn should be a mainstay on NXT. Andrews, the same thing, but he should also be involved in the cruiserweight division. When it comes to Trent Seven and Tyler Bay, I'm not so sure about those guys. I'm not sure 
where they fit on NXT or the Cruiserweight division. I think Tyler Bate could be good for the NXT show, so could Trent Seven. But I just think Pete Dunne stands out more because he's got so much charisma, so much potential. He's more of a complete star than Tyler Bate than Trent Seven because he just has it all. So that's just me. That's my opinion. But in terms of what's going to happen with these guys, I'm not so sure. And then the main event with Bobby Roode, No Way Jose, and then the return of Cassius Ono. Good stuff there, man. I mean, the Jose match with Roode was okay. wasn't special. Uh, no shock with the decision. Uh, Cassius Ono coming out after the match was awesome. The promo that he cut was awesome. Just the interaction that Ono and Roode had was just awesome. Really cool stuff. And now we know we're going to get a title match between these two guys some point in the future. So, all in all, like I said before, it was an awesome NXT show. Tremendous stuff. Not a lot went down. Only three acts took place. But in those three segments, they all delivered with flying colors. Another great episode for NXT. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes NXT so great is, you know, it only has three you know, main segments, and it doesn't feel rushed. I mean, everything has enough time. Everything develops really, really well. And, uh, you know, the Pete Dunne-Mark Andrews match, I mean, just tremendous stuff right there. How great is it to see Pete Dunne performing at Full Sail in NXT? I mean, just awesome, man. I mean, he looks at home there. And like you said, I don't want to see this UK show. I mean, it's taken a lot longer for it to, to launch. So, uh, you know, it makes me wonder if they're even going to go through with it because, again, we've just been seeing the same couple of guys on NXT each week, the same four guys, uh, Pete Dunne, Mark Andrews, Trent Seven, and uh, Tyler Bates. So, uh, you know, I, I would just build it around them. I mean, again, just put them in NXT. I mean, make them special attractions. Again, I want to see these guys in a match to take over Orlando in some way. Uh, I mean, again... Never mind the show. I think they're way more suited for NXT. Like you said, Pete Dunne, this is a guy who could be the face of the division, for God's sake. I mean, I wanted him to become the first ever UK champion. Again, I understand why they gave it to Tyler Bate instead. You know, it doesn't mean they don't have plans for Pete Dunne. I mean, he's the all-around package. Like you said, he's got everything. All the tools uh, that you need, the charisma, I mean, everything. He is just... Overall, like you said, he stands out way more than the rest of them do, and there's a reason for that. I mean, he's just so damn good. Uh, gotta love watching him in there. So, again, I can't wait to see him. Uh, hopefully, he's in NXT regularly. I know him, uh, Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews, and Trent Seven were just announced for a WWE tour coming up in a couple of months. So, they're sticking around. I hope to see him a lot more on there because that match was just tremendous. Again, we saw that in the UK tourney as well, uh, but it never gets old seeing those two guys, and they know each other better than anybody. So, yeah, definitely a great match to, you know, to check out on NXT. Uh, you know, the main event stuff was good, too. Like you said, I mean, it's great to see Cash Sono back. His promo was great. I mean, he looks pumped to be back. Uh, looks like they're going to be utilizing him the right way around this time. Unfortunately, I know the spoilers. I read the spoilers. So, again, it, a little bit of that took, took away, you know, uh, you know, the, the return for him last night on NXT because I know what happens in the next couple of weeks. But, again, nonetheless, great to see him back. Again, hopefully they utilize him the right way around. Hopefully he becomes NXT champ. This guy's got so much potential, man. They cannot misuse him a second time around. There'd be no excuse for that. But like you said, great promo, great stuff with Bobby Roode. I'm pumped to see that match happen. Uh, it happened on the taping, so that's good stuff there. Uh, again, just like you said, NXT continues to get good, and whenever there's a takeover special, it feels like they turn it up a notch, and they really have last night, last week, and the next coming weeks look awesome too. So uh, the TakeOver Orlando card is starting to take shape, uh, and it's going to be a good one, so I'm looking forward to it. And how about the theme song for Chris Hero? Uh, i oh, I got to be completely honest, man. 
uh, uh, I'm interested when these guys, when whoever debuts, I want to hear these theme songs because I want to see what these guys are walking out to. And there have been some good themes in the past. There's been some bad themes in the past. But, man, they nailed it with this Cassius Ono theme. I mean, the the lyrics, the background music, it just fits Hero's personality. And I think they, they couldn't find a better uh, theme music for Cassius Ono. So that got me pumped up. Let's talk about those spoilers, though. Again, last night we had the final TV tapings for NXT, so we got a good glimpse of what to expect in the upcoming weeks, and we're starting to figure out what's going to happen at TakeOver Orlando. As of right now, Ryan, there are three matches to me that are absolute locks for TakeOver Orlando. Uh, one of them is the Oscar vs. Ember Moon match. That is a guarantee. That's been a guarantee now for a few months. I mean, if you just follow it. You can tell that Ember Movers Oscar is bound to happen to take over Orlando. So that's a guarantee. Um, another guarantee uh, is the triple threat match for the tag team belts as the Authors of Pain will defend the belts against DIY and the Revival. Again, something that I was expecting to see for a couple of weeks now. There is a stipulation to the match. It is an elimination match. Personally, I, I it's, it's a good idea, but I think they could have gone with a ladder match. That's just me being nitpicking. I would love to see those three teams in a ladder match, but elimination match is okay. Uh, and then the other match that right now looks like it's going to be a lock for TakeOver, and we're going to see this happen in the next coming weeks, is an eight-person tag team match. Uh, all members of Sanity, and that is Eric Young, Nikki Cross, uh, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolf will be in a tag team match against Ty Dillinger, Roderick Strong, No Way Jose, and the fourth person a part of that tag team is the debuting Ruby Riot, who many people know as Heidi Lovelace. Now, Heidi Lovelace was one of the big acquisitions that WWE recently made. You know, they added a few more women's talent to their brand. Kimberly's one of them. The other one was Heidi Lovelace, who now goes under the name Ruby Riot. So she debuted during the TV taping. She got into a little bit of a feud with Nikki Cross, and now she is the other member of that four-man, four-person team with uh, Dillinger, Jose, and Strong against Sanity. My personal thoughts about it: I guess it's okay. It's a way, I guess, to get all those talents on the same show. Uh, there is a story in place. Not like they just put this match together for no reason. There is a story. Uh, Sanity is uh, driven to make Dillinger's life a living hell. They want Dillinger involved in their faction. He refuses. They continuously beat him up every week. Dillinger's got some backup, though. Strong and Jose have made a commitment to to, the, to back up Dillinger throughout this whole feud. And I guess Ruby Riot will be involved as well. So it, I guess the okay match... I expected a lot better, though, for guys like Dillinger and Strong to have better matches to take over, but it is what it is. But they did not make any confirmation in terms of the main event match to take over Orlando. In terms of the NXT title match, uh, Bobby Roode will be the champion going to the event. He did beat Chris Hero, uh, Cassius Ono, for the belt during one of the TV tapings, and I did not like that because not just, you know, it's more, it has to do with more. That how the way Root beat Ono then by beating him. I mean, we all knew that he was not he was not going to lose to Cassius Ono. But from what I've read, that he beat Ono cleanly. I was not a fan of that. I thought that was stupid. You're bringing back Cassius Ono. You want to get this guy on the right platform. You want to get him going. You can't have him losing clean matches. Even even if against Bobby Root. I know Bobby Root's a champion, but you can't have Cassius Ono lose cleanly like that to 
certain wrestlers. I really, I cash is only so, so much of elite talent. You can't have that happen. So I was not a fan of that. And then on the final TV taping episode, which will be the go home show for ta- for NXT going to take over, we had Shinsuke Nakamura make his comeback. He wrestled TJ Perkins. He won the match. Bobby Roode came out to confront him. Some reason Andrade Almas came out, attacked Nakamura. It was a double team on Nakamura. And then for some reason, here comes Finn Balor, who comes back, was advertised for the show. I will say that he was advertised. He didn't just show up out of nowhere. He was advertised to come back, came back, and he basically got into a scuffle with uh, Almas and Bobby Roode. And it looks like that he's clear to wrestle. WWE didn't say that. He said he's not cleared, but that's bullshit because he is cleared. Because if he wasn't cleared, he wouldn't be doing this stuff to Bobby Roode. So I'm curious to see what that story is all about. Are we going to get Roode versus Nakamura again? Is Finn Balor involved? Because right now Finn Balor has nothing planned for WrestleMania. Will he get involved in the match? I'm not so sure. If I had to bet my money on what's going to happen, it's probably going to be Roode versus Nakamura too. But I want to know is what was the Finn Balor story with? What was that situation about? Because it's a TV taping. There has to be some sort of reason as to why Finn appeared, why he came back, and why he confronted Bobby Roode. Now, it could be a dark segment. I'm not so sure. But right now, it's scheduled to be a part of the TV taping. So that's why I'm curious on to what the main event match is going to be. Because I'm not so sure that Roode and Nakamura is a lock. If Finn Balor has nothing going on for WrestleMania, there is a slight chance he could be in that match. It doesn't make sense because Finn Balor is on the main roster, but you never know. But for the TakeOver Orlando card, it looks really good. Again, you know, the Ember Moon vs. Oscar match is going to be awesome. The Triple Threat Tag Team Tile match is going to be awesome. The eight-person tag match should be really solid. The main event match right now is up for grabs. Who knows what that match is going to be. For the fifth match, I'm not so sure. There's also questions about Chris Hero. What's he going to do a TakeOver? Is he going to wrestle? I'm not sure if that's a lock. You know, he just lost to Bobby Roode on the rest of the TV tapings. He had nothing else going for him. What's he going to do at TakeOver? I'm not so sure. And that's to me, that's wrong to keep Cassius Ono off of the TakeOver card. He should be involved. So there's a lot of answers that need – there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. But as of right now, man, it looks like three matches are locked for TakeOver Orlando with two more matches yet to be announced. And one of those matches is the main event match. It could be Rue Nakamura. But I'm not so sure about that yet, especially with Finn Balor involved. Because like I said before, there has to be some sort of reason as to why Finn got involved. He's just not going to come out of nowhere, appear, then leave. Especially on the TV taping, there has to be some sort of reason that Finn Balor is back in NXT for that moment. So I'm not so sure. The next coming weeks for NXT should be very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the card's starting to take shape, and it looks pretty good. You know, again... Uh, Ember Moon Asuka is a match that we expected to happen. We've been saying it for months, Brian, so if this didn't happen, uh, we'd be pretty mad. So uh, happy it's happening. That's one of the matches I'm really looking forward to the most. Uh, you know, the, the triple threat uh, tag team title match, it's going to be an elimination match, like you said. Uh, we figured it was going to be a triple threat tag team match first off. Uh, really happy about that. I think this match has potential to steal the show. Uh, you know, elimination match, I think that works perfectly. Again, any other stipulation would have definitely been cool. Ladder match would have definitely been cool. But again, I don't think they would have gone above and beyond or too extreme like that unless it was going to be the main event. So I think elimination match makes sense, works perfectly. 
Uh, I'm digging it. I think, like I said, that match could possibly steal the entire show. Could possibly steal the weekend, too. Who the hell knows? There's going to be a lot of wrestling going on that weekend, so it's going to be tough to do. Uh, but again, in terms of WWE, I think it, it definitely has potential. Um, the eight-person tag match, like you said, I'm sure it's got a story to it. And again, I really hate to judge things before I see them, because usually when I read things on the spoilers, and then when I watch it on TV, I kind of get different uh, you know, opinions of it. So I'm going to wait to see it from myself. But again, reading it on paper, it sounds pretty lame in my opinion. I think, you know, Roderick Strong deserves a better match than that. Um, again, no way Jose Ty Dillinger again. They really hadn't have much going for them. So I guess they make sense in that in that position. Could be interesting to see Heidi Lovelace or Ruby Riot, whatever they're going to call her, in action as well. Um, you know, always great to see Sanity in action. So again, it's a way to get them on the card, I guess. Everybody deserves to be on the Mania Weekend show. Uh, that still leaves us a spot open for a fifth match. Uh, you know, I'll put aside the main event. Uh, a fifth match still to be added to the card, so that's interesting. Like you said, Chris Hero, Keshisono. I still always want to call him Chris Hero, but Keshisono, again, has no match. Again, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, really, don't tease us like this. Don't give him an opportunity at the NXT Championship and have him lose. If you don't have any plans for him, you know, at TakeOver Orlando to be in the title match. Again, it just it makes no sense to me, uh, and it's really weird that they didn't announce a main event yet. Again, it's looking like Rude Nakamura. I really think that's what it's going to be. But again, that leaves a, you know, a question open. What does Cassius Ono do? He cannot be left off the card. He cannot. It's just it's unacceptable. So hopefully they get a match for him. Maybe they announced the main event over over Twitter or something because uh, they didn't want it to be leaked out early. I don't really know, but it's very very weird that they didn't uh, you know announce the main event. Uh, you know they did it last year. I don't know what they're waiting for. Hopefully in the next coming weeks, days maybe, uh, we find out what this main event is because I'm chomping at the bit to find out. So again, we'll see what happens. But yeah, as far as the tapings go, they look interesting. The TakeOver Orlando card looks interesting. I think it's going to be a good night. But again, what is the main event going to be? And then the Finn Balor stuff, very, very weird. I don't know. Me personally, I don't expect to see that on NXT. I think that was strictly a dark match uh, for the live crowd. But again, who knows what they really taped and what they didn't tape. To me, it just seems weird if that's going to actually be on NXT television, especially since Finn Balor got physical. Again, I don't really know why. I do not want to see him involved in the title match, to be completely honest with you, because he deserves to be on the main roster. It would just be a huge step back being in NXT and being in the title match Mania weekend instead of being on the WrestleMania card itself. To me, it would just be a huge step back for him. I don't want to see that happen. So, again, should be interesting in the next coming weeks. And like I said, TakeOver Orlando is looking pretty damn good. All right, we have 20 minutes left. We've got to talk about some UFC stuff and some independent wrestling stuff going on. Uh, this past Saturday, we had PWG event. Um, let me see. Uh, only Kings understand each other. Uh, pretty damn good event. We saw a lot go down there. Some couple of debuts. Uh, big Big heel turn, but uh, going through the card, uh, Trent Trevor Lee defeated Cody Rhodes with God's Last Gift. That's his finisher. Some controversy with that match because uh, when Cody Rhodes appeared in the ring and they were doing the introductions, the fans were chanting Dusty, Dusty, and Trevor Lee went a little bit too far when he said, and I quote, F Dusty. Uh, Cody Rhodes said that when the DVD comes out, that's going to be removed. He wasn't happy about it, so Trevor Lee, I get what he's trying to do. He's playing the heel, but... When it comes to stuff like this, when you're basically ripping Cody's father apart, uh, who's sadly not with us anymore, that's something that Cody takes personally. So hopefully Trevor Lee learned from it. I, I heard he apologized after, so that's good to see. Um, 
Uh, Trent Beretta defeated Phoenix uh, with his cradle back to belly pile driver. Um, again, good surprise solid match. Uh, how about this? The Chosen Bros, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb, this new tag team that's making waves right now through PWG, won their second consecutive match at PWG. Their first win was over the Young Bucks at Mystery Vortex 4. Their second win was over the Unbreakable Effing Machines, and that is the tag team of Michael Elgin and Brian Cage. So Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb as a duo, pretty damn good so far. They get another win, and uh, they'll be getting a title shot pretty soon, you have to think. Uh, Ricochet vs. Leo Rush, the match I am dying to see. Uh, that's just a dream match in my opinion. Ricochet won the match. Uh, it was Leo Rush's debut, so I'm looking forward to seeing the match when it comes down DVD. Uh, Marty Skrull took on Jay White. Again, Jay White making his debut. Skrull won the match, no surprise there. Um, and then we had our six-man tag team match. Uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole took on OI4K. Uh, Jake, Dave, Chris, and Sammy Callahan. Heard it was a really, really good match. Young Bucks went on to win the match with Adam Cole, so no surprise there. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that match happen. And then in the main event, Zack Sabre Jr. took on Chuck Taylor for the uh, World Championship. Uh, the match didn't um, – uh, def uh, he defeated uh, Chuck Taylor. He retained the match uh, via a ref stoppage after an assault of elbows on Chuck Taylor when he was caught in a triangle choke. So they basically – end of the match because of that and it led to a heel turn from Zack Sabre Jr. Trent Beretta came out tried to stop him. Marty Skull came out at the defense of Sabre Jr. And now we have a heel tag team on our hands with Sabre Jr. and Marty Skrull. They're now going to call themselves LDRS which means for Little Dirty Ron Scoundrels. So a lot of went down in that uh, at that show. Uh, their next show will be March the 18th. It will be called uh, Nice Boys and parentheses Don't Play Rock and Roll. And it's another stacked card. We have a couple more debuts. Shane Strickland versus Desmond Xavier. Keith Lee makes his PWG debut. He'll take on Brian Cage. That is a must-watch match. Sammy Callahan takes on Adam Cole. The Chosen Bros look for their third straight win. They take on Jake and Dave Chris of OI4K. Leo Rush back for his second match. He'll take on Trevor Lee. Uh, Penta L0. And that is Ray Phoenix and, Pen and Pentagon Jr. They'll take on Ricochet, Matt Seidel. And the Young Bucks triple threat match for the World Tag Team Championships. That could be a match of the year contender, in my personal opinion. And then probably in the main event, uh, LDRS, Zack Sabre Jr. and Marty Skrull taking on best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. So again, PWG starting to put together more shows. They're getting more new talent uh, month by month. And they continue to deliver. Uh, you can uh, basically pre-order their recent show on highspots.com. It's going to be on their website. So go and get it because it should be a fun show. And... Like I said before, man, PWG, yet again, doing some pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, I was all over my Twitter, uh, you know, checking out the live results going on on PWG on Saturday night. I mean, it was an epic show. Again, it's hard to really review it because I didn't really see the matches for myself. Obviously, when it comes out on DVD, uh, you know, everybody will be able to see it. But, yeah, I mean, you just ran down the results. I mean, it looks awesome. I mean, just every single match that they put together just looks unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, Ricochet, Leo Rush, like you just said, it's a dream match. That's the one that stands out the most on the card. I mean, just... just I mean, I can only imagine how good that match was. Again, I, I heard that, uh, you know, Leo Rush called PWG's new home. He earned the respect of Ricochet and everybody in Reseda. He'll be back, so that's good for him. I think he's going to be having a big 2017, as we mentioned. Uh, you know, again, we just talked to Dave Christ, and, you know, his brother, Sammy Callahan, took on Adam Cole in the Bucks. That was awesome. I mean, I saw a couple of videos on that, a couple of super kicks. Uh, 
again, just PWG just looked unbelievably epic. And then, uh, you know, in the main event, like you said, Zack Sabre Jr. turning heel, uh, retaining the belt, which honestly came as a surprise to me. I really expected Chuck Taylor to win the belt. They made such a big deal. Uh, you know, I, I saw it a couple of things on my Twitter, uh, you know, again, about how Chuck Taylor was ready to become PWG champ, all this stuff, and how, you know, uh, 10 years after his debut, he's finally getting his first title match and all this stuff, and they just hyped it up really big, and I really thought it was going to be his moment. I really thought we were going to see a new champion there. Uh, I don't think anybody saw the Zack Sabre Jr. heel turn coming with, uh, you know, Marty Skrull now with the new alliance. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It definitely is. Um, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Again, like you just mentioned, the next card is out for March. So, again, man, I, we hope to get to PWG someday because it just mm -hmm. seems so damn cool. Uh, but, again, another great show delivered by them. I don't think it's possible uh, to see a bad PWG show. I think every show that they put on is just unbelievable. And, again, part of the reason why is because they have that deal where they can get these talents who are – you know, contracted to companies like TNA and Ring of Honor, they could get those those guys, and they just don't put it on iPay-Per-View. They just have it on DVDs instead. So it's interesting the way they operate over there, but it works, and don't fix what's not broken. So, again, PWG just continues to be good. Yeah, like I said, the next show, March the 18th, we're seeing more new talents come in. Like you said, what's so great about PWG is that every single show, they debut newer talents. And, again, we're getting three more debuts on the next show, Shane Strickland, Desmond Xavier and Keith Lee and I'm looking forward to seeing all three of those guys perform I've seen a lot of their work that all three of them are great talents Keith Lee specifically he is one heck of a talent for his size the way he moves is incredible and he's got a big big match with Brian Cage at that show that is going to be freaking awesome and yeah again more great matches to see what's going to happen there uh, we'll conclude the show with some talk in the UFC uh, this past Sunday night we saw UFC fight night go down Two big matches headline the show. Uh, Johnny Hendricks took on uh, Hector Lombard in middleweight competition. This was Hendricks' first fight in the middleweight division, and he won the fight by uh, unanimous decision, which is great to see for Johnny Hendricks. I mean, if you guys have not followed this story, this guy at one point was the face of the welterweight division. He was the top guy. He was the world champion. And then ever since he dropped that championship, I forgot to who I think it was Robbie Lawler he dropped the belt to. It went downhill for Johnny Hendricks. He kept losing fight after fight after fight where, in the end, Hendricks basically said that I had no more passion for the company. I had no more passion for the sport. I was losing my love for the sport where he was getting sick and tired of going to training and being around his trainers going to the gym because he felt like he had nothing left to prove and that he was done with the sport. And that was sad to see because, like I said, this guy at one point was on top of the mountain in the welterweight division. And then he decided to say, I'm going to move up a division. I'm going to go to 185, wrestle for the middleweights. And he was pumped up again. He's like, yeah, man, I feel good again. This is the best ship I've been in. I'm looking forward to seeing what I got in the middleweight division. And he's off to a great start. He beat Hector Lombard, who's a very credible opponent. Beat him unanimous decision. Great for Johnny Hendricks. He's a great talent, great fighter. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from him in the future in the middleweight division. That's going to be his new home now. He's not going to be a welterweight fighter. He's a middleweight fighter from now on. And then in the main event, we had Travis Brown versus Derek Lewis, heavyweight battle. Uh, Lewis won the fight because of a knockout. Uh, Derek Lewis, if you've not seen this guy fight, he is a machine. Uh, this guy is a pure knockout artist. He's so powerful, so strong upper body wise. He's a basically he's a dangerous striker, and he could be a threat for that championship in the future. But Travis Brown, again, another guy that has so much promise 
in the heavyweight division, a guy that was a top prospect within the heavyweight division for years. There were big hopes for this guy as a future top title holder. He beat names like uh, Gabriel Gonzaga, Alistair Overeem, uh, some big names in that division. You thought that he was going someplace, but he's lost fights to Cain Velasquez. He recently lost to now Derek Lewis. He's on a losing streak right now. I'm not. I'm, I'm, excuse me. I'm not sure what the future holds for Travis Brown. Is he going to continue the fight? Is he going to leave the UFC? Because he continues to lose fight after fight. He has to figure this out. So, uh, pretty active night for that show. There's some other good fights, but Johnny Hendricks getting the big win over Hector Lombard. Good start for him in the middleweight division. And a statement victory for Derek Lewis. He knocked out Travis Brown, which will continue to climb him up the rankings for a possible heavyweight title match. So, overall, if you check that UFC fight night on Sunday, you were not disappointed. It was a very, very good fight show. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, Derek Lewis, he's, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with, uh, you know, getting the win over Travis Brown, who, again, uh, you know, like you said, he's been on a losing streak lately. He's kind of like Holly Holm. He is basically a, a really big guy. And again, he looks like he could be a good fighter. He does have a couple wins under his belt. Uh, again, looks very, very powerful, but is on a huge losing streak and just seems like he's loses fight after fight after fight. And I don't really know what the future holds for this guy. Uh, he's dating Ronda Rousey, so good for him, I guess. But yeah, I mean, uh, this guy is just, it's, it's funny watching him fight and you think he's going to win coming into it. And then he just falls every single time. But again, congrats to Derek Lewis because that's a big win for him and it just keeps uh, him climbing up the ladder. So that's pretty good for him. And like you said, Johnny Hendricks getting the win over Hector Lombard. Uh, you know, pretty good stuff over there. Like you said, I mean, it wasn't a UFC pay-per-view. It was a UFC fight night. So again, not sure how many people watched it, how many viewers it got. wasn't really hyped up too much. But again, yeah, like you said, if you checked it out, it was good stuff. Uh, again, there's a couple of other fights like you mentioned, but uh, those are the main two that, you know, are worth talking about. So again, uh, you know, overall, I thought that was pretty good as well. Yeah, and of course, our next big event will be UFC 209. That is a huge must-see event. Two title matches taking place that night. We're getting the welterweight title rematch between Tyron Woodley and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Their first fight was fantastic. Their second fight could be even better. Looking forward to seeing that. And then the interim lightweight championship is on the line. Conor McGregor is the current champion, but right now he's not involved in the UFC. He's more focused on Floyd Mayweather. So the interim belt will be on the line. It will be Herbit Habib Nurmagomedov. Right now undefeated. Maybe the best fighter in the world right now. You got to look at Nurmagomedov. He's incredibly talented. He'll take on Tony Ferguson. So that's a must-see event. But then today we got a big announcement for UFC 211. The main event for that fight. Uh, for that card is for the UFC Women's Strawweight Championship. Joanna uh, Janjacek, who I think right now is the best female fighter in the world. If you have not seen this girl fight, she is a dangerous, dangerous character. She'll take on a Je- Jessica Andrade, who's been red hot as of late. Should be an awesome fight right there, man. Again, Janjacek, she's awesome. She's a tremendous fighter. She there's no there's nobody more dangerous when it comes to striking and knocking out somebody. Then Yoana Janjacek, some others may think Amanda Nunez, and you can make a good case for her, but Janjacek is so incredibly talented. Uh, Andrade, if you've not seen her fight, she's really good as well. well she could be a tough challenge for Janjacek, but Janjacek is like basically unbeatable. I'm not sure who that person will be to the throne, Janjacek. So, uh, again, UFC 209 should be big with the two tile fights, and then UFC 211 main event announced today, Janjacek versus uh, Andrade, man. UFC, man, has got some big events coming up, and I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, definitely. Me too. Like you said, UFC 209 is definitely big. Uh, you know, after you know what they went through at MSG. I mean, who doesn't want to see Woodley Thompson too? Uh, you know, it's going to be a good one. Definitely. Hopefully, hopefully this one doesn't end in a draw. Um, I can definitely see it again because these two guys are just unbelievable. Uh, I can't wait to see that fight. It's going to be awesome. And then, like you said, the interim lightweight, uh, you know, fight with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, you know, again, going with Tony Ferguson, that's going to be a good one as well. Khabib, man, he's under the radar, but he's, I think, 24-0, and and like you said, could be, you know, one of the best fighters in the world. Again, very underrated, because I don't think a lot of people know of his talent. Uh, you know, he's been, you know, jawing at Conor McGregor a little bit. He wanted Conor McGregor, but of course, McGregor fights on his terms. He, you know, he fights the money fights. Again, I guess he looked at Khabib as, you know, not really a money fight. Couldn't really benefit from it, so I don't think he wants to fight him. But, you know, it, these two guys are, are the best, you know, two of the best in that division. So, again, they deserve to be fighting for this interim lightweight belt. So, again, I'm looking forward to that one as well because, again, do not sleep on Khabib. And honestly, don't sleep on Tony Ferguson either. If there's anybody who's going to, you know, uh, you know, mess up this winning streak, it could be Tony Ferguson. So, again, that's going to be a really, really good fight. And like you just said, uh, breaking news today, UFC 211, Joanna Jacek against Jessica Andrade. I mean, wow, that's going to be awesome. And, I mean, I would assume that's the main event uh, for that, you know, uh, night, UFC 211 in Dallas. Uh, but if not, man, I mean, that that is some fight right there. I mean, I cannot wait to see that. Like you said, Joanna and Jacek, probably one of the best fighters in the world, not even just female fighters. I mean, I would say one of the best fighters I've ever seen in the world. And Jessica Andrade, I mean, she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one, so I can't wait to see that. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, UFC has a couple of good events coming up. Uh, again, this is what they do, man. They put together some of the biggest, baddest cards, and uh, it gets you excited. So uh, curious to see how it all plays out. I can't wait. And we have a big weekend this week uh, for us specifically. The Royal Ramble will be uh, attending NYWC Wrestling this Saturday. So if you guys want to see us, meet us, come on by. We have big things in store for that show. I know that one of the guys who works there will try to get some interviews down with some big names for their show. So I'm looking forward to that. Also this weekend, Saturday, we have Evolve 79 going down. Zach Sabre Jr. will be there. I, can, I think he's in the main main event versus Timothy Thatcher for the uh, Evolve Championship. I know some of my friends are going there, so should be a good show. And, guys, as well, don't forget, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Honor Rising show is happening this weekend. Uh, we are seeing the reuniting of the Bullet Club, specifically the Elite. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are back together. This will be Omega's first appearance on New Japan since his loss to uh, since uh, the loss to Okada and the night after where he was involved in that uh, multi-man tag team match. He is back in New Japan for good. He's wrestling tomorrow along with the Young Bucks, along with Cody Rhodes, Adam Cole, the entire Bullet Club. Everyone's going to be there. L.I.J., Okada, Tanahashi. It's a big, big weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling on a rising. So keep an eye on that, everybody. NYWC and Evolve on Saturday and throughout the weekend we got Honor Rising. So big events taking place this weekend in wrestling. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to go to NYWC, the Psycho Circus, the biggest show of the year for them. If you're in the area, definitely check it out. We'll try to get some interviews. We'll see what we can get for you guys. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you see us, come by, say hi. Like you said, Evolve, uh, you know, 79 uh, in Queens, New York. It's also an event happening in the, in the tri-state area here. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is challenging the Evolve champion. It could either be Timothy Thatcher or Fred Yehi. Uh There's Evolve 78 going down on Friday night in uh, Maryland. So uh, that's going to be interesting as well. So uh, like you said, a big weekend. Also, Honor Rising. Who can forget about that? Two really, really big shows. 
It's the return of Kenny Omega. Who doesn't want to see that? The cards look absolutely stacked. I think I'm going to stay up for both uh, both of the shows. I think it's Sunday morning and Monday morning. I mean, they just look absolutely epic, so I can't wait to talk about it next week. Uh, again, it should be a very, very fun-filled weekend full of wrestling, so that's always great. So uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. So, everyone, that is uh, time for us to go. Uh, great show yet again. Thank you again to Dave Christ, who came on with us to talk about uh, his uh, wrestling life, how he started, uh, the weekend he had in PWG, his plans for the future. Awesome talking to Dave Chris. Hopefully we have him on some point yet again in the future. Um, and again, we talked a lot of stuff. You know, We recapped Raw, recapped SmackDown, NXT, talked about TakeOver Orlando, and we got into some of the UFC stuff that went down. So great show. Again, if you guys want to see us, uh, NYWC this Saturday, we will be there trying to get some interviews down with some big names that will be at the show. Uh, again, if you guys missed us live here on IsYourRadio.com, you can follow us on Twitter, Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. And like I said, if you guys missed us live, you can subscribe to our show on Stitcher and on iTunes. Our shows are up there. You can listen to our interview with Dave Chris if you missed it during live. It's a great interview, so hopefully you guys can click the subscribe button. We can use those uh, numbers go up. So uh, Again, great show, everybody. We'll be back next Thursday. We're going to recap a lot that went down, of course. We're going to talk about our experience at NYWC Wrestling. Hopefully we get some re- interviews from the wrestlers on our show. Uh, we're going to recap on Rising. We're going to recap Raw, SmackDown, NXT. A lot to get into next week. Maybe some more UFC news. So big show next week for you guys. Don't miss out. That's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendak. He's Ryan Monterano. This has been the Royal Rainbow Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you next Thursday.